0: This is Wes, and this is Ryan. And this is the Nintendo Show, the best Nintendo podcast on the internet. This is the retro show for the month of July of 2023, in which we're going to travel back in time, fellas. It's kind of a time capsule. We travel back in time 21 years, kind of do this semi chronologically. So we're going to peek back to the month of July 2002. And you guys, what a time to be alive. Oh, God. It was a time to be alive. <laughs> really? I, was, I was alive. Yeah. We were living in yeah. the millennium. Yeah. Born to Rain had just come out. It was truly Will Smith. We talked about, about that. Peak Will Smith. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're gonna oh and Men in Black Two. Men in Black Two came we'll out in talk about, does too. You know, man, we'll
1: talk about that today. Those was fun, fun. Oh. black movies. I i liked the first one. Oh the, the first one was fun. The first the, yeah. the second and third go like downhill so hard. yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> Well, just you know, I did, and, and, and we'll get to that. But there are certain things about the second one. Like, rather than continue to build off of where they left off in the first one, they just kind of like did, like, no, let's do a reset and just redo the first one again. Yeah. But anyway. We'll get to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we do is we'll talk about uh, all of, like, the, the pop culture kind of stuff, kind of centered around videos. We'll start with video games. And we'll also talk about the, the music and the movies that came out. So, you know, generally, whatever else we were, you know, talking about, you engaging with around this time. Um, yeah, I, I got a few historical events to sort of set the context Yeah, me too uh, I will start us off with one and then kick it over to you The MLB All-Star Game was played and ended in a 7-7 tie Now, baseball can't end in a tie but the All-Star Game can because they ran out of pitchers now, in a regular major league <laughs> game, um, you can't run out of pitchers. You like, just like say like no, you have to keep. Like, what happened? Were they assassinated or like dinosaurs showing up? Like, because it, because it's an all star game and it's just basically an exhibition, uh, they are like major league baseball players. But like, if you were the last guy in the all star game, the like the last pitcher on the roster, and they said no, keep throwing, you are going to destroy your arm for a game that doesn't mean anything. Oh, so okay. rather than like make a couple of pitchers for each side do that. They were like, no, no, this game has to end. So it ended in a tie and it pissed everybody off. Well you know you can throw a ball, nine other guys in the field. Or the manager even. Make the <laughs> manager t- <laughs> That'd be so funny. <laughs> that's, 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 that's the thing. Like and if you really just want the game to end, just decide, okay, one of us is gonna throw on the towel. Just somebody go out there and just throw a meatball so someone can slap a home run and we'll get out of here. You could have ended this game, like, properly, but of course like their their pride got in the way or something and they didn't want to like throw the game so like okay we'll just tie I think that's worse I'd rather be the guy I'll fall on the sword I'll just put it on a tee for someone to smack out of here
1: well because of all of the major team sports in America like the all-star game for baseball is the best by far Mm -hmm. the best because it's the closest representation to the game yeah. Like in basketball, it basically just becomes a gym meet, where the final score ends up being like 180 to 170. No one's playing defense. Right, yeah. no, Nobody's playing defense. Because why would you? It's a game that means nothing. And football, rightly so, they're terrified to act, play an actual mm-hmm. game of football, because there's Don't, about an injury a, a game in football. And you, you'd hate to have someone's career, potentially, come to an ball, end because they took it a little too seriously in the All-Star game. Doesn't the Pro Bowl happen after a season? The Pro Bowl. The Pro Bowl actually takes place during the the AFC and NFC championship games and before the Super Bowl. Oh, right. They usually play it because they'll you know God. they'll send them to some kind of cool destination. So as an excuse to get everybody out there to do press for the Super Bowl, they'll bring them up. Like there's famously a, I forget who it was, but um, so one NFL player they were hosting it in Hawaii and he tore his ACL playing beach football. Like not even as part of the, the actual event. So, you know, injuries happen all the time. So, well, then that might be your career. Like, if, if you're really
0: good yeah. and you tear your ACL, like, you, you might play again, but you might miss a big payday. Absolutely. Um, Which, at that point, you have millions of dollars, anyways. Don't, maybe. Don't get it. Maybe. But, like, well, what's, what's the, the league minimum? Like, a, a major league minimum contract is different. Like, if you've been in the league for a while, as opposed to if you're, if you're a young guy coming up, like, you might be making. A couple hundred thousand dollars a year, which is a, a good amount of money. Yeah. But you might not be a millionaire yet. And you got,
1: you know, you got to pay your agent, you got to pay taxes. and You are hopefully paying into your retire the team the the sports retirement plan that should exist for the players' association. So, like, you know, you should be squirreling away money in the team's retirement plan for yourself, just for your own livelihood. But you're also like maybe because like you're an not,
0: eighteen or nineteen year old dude.
1: Yeah, like you, you're no. not thinking about any of that. There's yeah, there's so many players that just piss away all
0: their money. Yeah, because so. you know they're 24 and they got you know, still three quarters of a century to live. Yeah, it's So well, they're, eight they're eight eight not seven, thinking you know, about, yeah. you know what 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 they're going to be doing with their 50. And you know, oh there's there's a lot of uh, professional athletes and most of them don't go on to be sports commentators and analysts after that. You know, got a lot you know, of them. Yeah, you know, they, they end up being like. Working at gyms or football high
1: school coaches, maybe you know you can you can probably easily get a career in that. It's,
0: but that's just like your average job at that yeah. point. That's not yeah. anything crazy. They're not paying you six figures to coach a little league team. Yeah. Um. But the the All Star game ends in a tie, and after this, from 2003 to 2016, they decide okay, in order to keep it from uh, being this meaningless exhibition that, you know. Uh, in order to try to avoid and make people care about it so they avoid just deciding to end in a tie they decide that the winner the, the winner of the all-star game the league that they represent the American League or the National League will get home field advantage for the World Series yeah. um, and for you know that uh, 14 12 to 14 years uh, they did that and nobody really liked that either uh, so now the, since 2016 they have changed that and now just the team who had the best record throughout the, the regular season yeah. Gets the home field advantage. Which is the way to do it, because now they've added more wild card teams. And the, the pitcher gets to throw two balls at the same time. Right, yeah, two balls at the same time. It's wild. You know, the, the strike zone is wider. Yeah. You can hit someone in the knee, it's a strike. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so that, that was what happened with baseball. What oh, were some of your historical? Uh, I think this is actually sneakily one of the biggest events of
1: 2002. Go on. The second-gen iPod is introduced. Mm. It is debuted with a touch-sensitive wheel on okay. it. Yes. I literally just watched that that freaking BlackBerry movie, so it was such a game-changer. Um, and that's, that's what they refer to as the iPod Classic now.
0: You can still get them.
1: Yeah, that, that's crazy. And, and by the way, 20 gigabytes of storage at the time is insane. Mm-hmm. Most people did not care enough about music
0: to have 20 gigabytes worth of music they would even want. Yeah, we're still talking about, like the video games you are talking about, like you're using memory cards to save your data for these optical disks that they're using, and like you're talking about... Uh, uh, is sometimes kilobytes, or even as big as megabytes of data. You know, Twenty gigabytes for oh, yeah. this iPod It's massive. Yeah,
1: and depending upon the the way that you would, you know, extract the data from the CD, there would be different file sizes. You know, so a lossless CD, of course, racks up a ton of space. But most people were not ripping those high def, high quality rips. They were just doing like the base. I think it was like one ninety two KBS or whatever. And yeah, yeah, I mean, this, this is huge because it moves away from a physical medium to now you think of music as the MP3s you have in your collection. Mm-hmm. It's not what it is now where I think everything is just streaming because the infrastructure now exists for everybody just to just like stream stuff all day long. But at the time you know you were moving away from the idea of having like a book of CDs in your car. Yeah. Like how 2000 does that? How, how 2000 does that feel to have that giant like folder of CDs from, you know four to a page? my kids better. still like flipping through mine yeah it's it's funny <laughs> to have the, and you think like that
0: that all got replaced and it's, it's a huge huge deal so um, it's kind of fun but like but it doesn't completely replace the way that people consume music like I'm, I'm sure that the vast vast majority of people consuming music now are doing it like either streaming or digitally but like you can still buy CDs. You can still buy records.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have. <laughs> where you can see them there in my room. They have over a thousand records. Yep. Right they're right just right. opened a. Uh, I don't know. They just opened. It, but I knows that the mall near us actually has a music
0: shop in it. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's really big too. Mm-hmm. I, I a bunch think the
1: records and CDs and shit all over.
0: It. It's gonna be funny to to see what uh, what happens. Like, is this my kids are growing up because like. Uh, uh, there's those sort of, like, more boutique stores that, like, just sell video games, just sell comics. I, t- I took them last week to a video game store, like a, a mom-and-pop place down the street from my house, and they were fascinated by it. To like, this, game, this store just sells games? And they went to a comic store, like, there's just books in here? Like, yeah. So uh, these the sort of, like, boutique experiences that, you know, I describe to some of the younger people I work with who are like eighteen, nineteen. as their first job. Like there used to be a place where you just borrowed movies and bought them back, <laughs> like a library. Yes, but just for movies, like you couldn't. You had to. And put video them games, in, and video games, and, and video games. Good mm-hmm. point. Um, and you buy your posters there. But yeah, look, they're like these these mythical places that like existed as brick and mortar shops. It'll be interesting to see how the uh, 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 the young people now experience these things as they get older. Like. Yeah. I don't think like blockbuster is making a comeback or some point. Well, you know, you, you might see. Well, it's, I think it's the big thing is like computers that you buy
1: nowadays don't have disk drives in mm. them anymore. Yeah. That was like no. I think a big thing. That is another example of how technology has changed, and you can still buy them like as an external plugin, but mm-hmm. nobody's really using those anymore. And yeah, there's there's always going to be that secondary market for these things. CDs are actually kind of making a comeback in a weird way, um, just within again the the physical collector community. And the fact that a lot of music is kind of lost. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, it's much worse for other mediums like uh, video games. Like, what are they? what's that weird stat they love to throw around? 80% of video games are not or cannot be purchased right now. Yeah, games made before like such and such a date, 80% of them you can't play. So, yeah, it's, it's you know, you don't want these things to become totally and completely lost. And when I'm going through my CD collections, and I also have, I have tons of records, obviously, but I also have a lot of CDs, and a lot of these are very obscure bands that, you know, they're just not available for streaming on any platform, whether it's a Spotify or um, like what the Apple music service or Amazon's got their own music service. Now, YouTube, Google, is I mean, Google owns YouTube. Google has a music service now, essentially, because they own YouTube. Everybody wants a piece of that pie. No one wants to pay the artists, mind you, but... Everybody wants to get in that mix. <laughs> so again, we that's I, I thought that was really interesting. Just that you know this this iPod comes around and it's a it is a game changer for so many people. Yeah. And yeah, this is also being released yeah. at the peak of music. Literally, just two months ago, we had that uh, Eminem record, and then a month before that was the Nora Jones record, which each sold twenty plus million copies of CDs. Things that nowadays, you know, people younger than. Napster didn't destroy the fuck is this thing? No. <laughs> Napster didn't destroy that uh, Eminem album. Yeah, so he did all right. Did okay. Did okay. Oh, so I got that. Um, the other thing uh, is that the WorldCom scandal breaks. Uh, WorldCom was obviously a telecom provider. Uh, they got in trouble basically for as a result of an internal audit that occurred that found that they were um, engaging in all kinds of fraud um, and that they were technically illiquid uh, they had to fire for cha- or file for Chapter 11 bankruptcy and would ultimately pay $2.3 billion in fines. Absolutely insane. Um, that is insane that we used to fine our companies. Yeah. So, well, if you're wondering, like, whatever happened to WorldCom? They owned some stuff, didn't they? Well, they are t- they're, they're now a very small piece of the Verizon pie. Um, in 2006, mm. the remnants of the company was acquired by Verizon, so that's still around and Bernard Evers you know and hey again you were saying remember when they used to punish them Bernard Evers he was the CEO and primary conspirator on all of this he uh he would end up in prison whoa until 2020 when he died oh my god yeah he died in prison they
0: sent him to prison for so long he must have been so pissed in 2009 his life ended oh my god yeah you imagine like being this guy sitting in prison, watching everything go down in two thousand eight and two thousand nine, the financial crisis and recession. They're like like I'm in jail. I'm the one in jail. Are you kidding me? Jeez. Well, you know, you pay two point three billion in fines.
1: That's a mm. lot of money. That's yeah. That's like chunk change. Yeah. So at any rate, I thought that was that, that happened. Sarbanes Oxley uh, Act passes, which is basically uh, some a set of laws that's designed to uh, prevent you know financial malfeasance. Uh, would have been nice if it had more teeth I guess when what we'll talk about in a few years but I'm no expert in it I remember I was in college and they talked about this thing and I kind of wish I remembered more of it because I, I do remember it being a big thing but I also remember at the time I was in school that was when the market was like super hot yeah, before the crash and everyone was like why do we even have rules <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> so at any rate that happened uh, I got two more things can I yeah 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 absolutely
0: um, eBay purchases PayPal Oh, Ooh. interesting, right? That's yeah. another huge one. Um, I think that's a. Does really... eBay still own PayPal? No. Does anyone still
1: use eBay or PayPal? I use eBay for selling records. I I use, people still use PayPal. Okay. And sure. PayPal does still exist. Yeah, it's yeah. it's um you know it's it's typically one of the ones that's in your list of like if you just want to go buy something and it's like you can use Apple Pay, provide some v- Visa Mastercard info, you could pay with uh, Google Pay. And PayPal is usually in the mix there, too. It's just another alternative. And what is important about PayPal, I think, um, uh, in the same way that eBay was, you know, internet commerce, it was a way of getting people comfortable with buying things online that you typically would go to a store for. PayPal was important from the financial perspective where it got people comfortable with the idea. Nowadays, we don't even think about it, but there was so much of a concern of putting your personal information, your personal credit card information online that what PayPal did says, like, we're the intermediary, we're not charging you anything, do your business through us, and we'll charge a small percentage to to the to, to, the, to the shop you're buying from, versus you, the consumer. So, and it, and it made people just feel safer with the idea. so if you've never done it before, you'd probably feel a lot better giving it to PayPal than to giving it to some sketchy website you've never yeah. heard of, like Amazon. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> That and one more thing. Careful, we're going to lose our sponsorship. Miss them off. Oh yeah, eBay does their own thing now. Like, I, again, I, I use eBay all the time. I, I I don't buy very much, but I definitely sell a lot through eBay. eBay is by far the most stable market that exists. And mm. like, not only stable market, but like has the most information. Like It's the most fluid market. It's It's great for people that sell... Unique ad hoc items like records that are pressed one out of sixty. You know, it's it's very good at at doing that. And they do all the money in house now, so you don't need PayPal at all to work with eBay, even though the two companies are synonymous. Um, and lastly, one last thing: our boy Tony Shalhoub, who we love so much. Yeah. His TV show Monk premiered on the USA. Oh, very good. Huh. So yeah, I never really watched Monk though. As much I as didn't, I like it, either. I like Tony Did, Shalhoub, uh, <laughs> but uh, no, I never watched his show. But that premiered, and had a, he had a very long, successful run with that show, so good for
0: him. Oh, there, there was one other event that I wanted to get to before we talk about some video game stuff. There was a thing Was that in, a train um, crash or something? Where you usually hit us with the hard stuff. This one does have a happy ending. Um, there was in, in Somerset County, Pennsylvania, there was the uh, Quay Creek Mine that the nine miners got trapped in, and the mine flooded, but they got uh, rescued after spending 77 hours underground. In, in a flooding mine, yeah, God. that's scary. What a horrible way to. They they all made it out alive. They're all I, I don't know if they're still okay, but they were okay as they came out. So, well, that's good. I'm yeah. glad to hear that was that was all right. <laughs> so, we have some video game stuff, like a, like a couple of minor video games to talk about, but the big video game topic for July of 2002 was E3. And E3 technically happened in June, but we kind of skipped over it then. Uh, not really too many gaming topics. So I wanted to talk about this absolute relic of a show. My goodness. Um Oh god. For those uh, I'll you know I
1: watched it at one speed. And oh do you were like, watch this thing at one and a half
0: speed to it's, save yourself some trouble. It's no, so dry. It is very very What's E three, John? So E three is the thing I used to have. It stopped happening like three or four years ago. Um, where uh, video game, uh, maybe the platform holders, reading game publishers would have like a press conference and they would gather members of the press into a rented out ballroom with folding chairs and say like, this is how our business is doing. Uh, this is how many of this we're selling and this is how we're optimistic. And here's a few games. And then as we moved into the, uh, later part of the aughts and the early teens of the 21st century of the millennium, if you will, uh, it became more of this, like, uh, Grand commercial for all these different products that um, video game uh, platform holders and publishers were selling. But when it started out in the early days of E3, it's, it was very much a press conference where you were just trying to hype up your business for members of the press. And it wasn't even like accessible to members of the public. It wasn't until I think like 2008 or 2009 where the show actually became open to like a convention. Yeah, exactly. Not a conference. Like, yeah, like a. a Comic Con or something like that. Um, so th- there's back then there's not really even much footage of the goings on of E3. The footage that I found, I think it was from a website called Nintendo World Report who recorded it. Um, I don't I don't know if it, like illegally is the right word, but they weren't supposed to record it, but they did anyway. Good for um, them. So stick it to the man. It, it, it is like there wasn't even much of a stage. It was like they're standing at the front of the room, maybe on a little platform, and a bunch of like uh, people from USA Today and maybe a couple of video game outlets that were there. And a the guy shows up in a lab coat, holding holding uh, squirt guns. like crazy hair. Not even that. Like no, we, no. no it, was, it was it was just very much like here's um, the the head of marketing, Mr. Awada the late Grace Iwata does make an appearance uh, a couple of times to talk about some of the stuff. Like, he was not president of Nintendo at the time, but he was working at Nintendo. He would become president in like 2003 uh, until he passed. So I know and there was there's like a power the PowerPoint slides and shit. Like they're showing this like with, with done like little flip PowerPoint and like screen wipes for PowerPoint. Uh, there was a live demo, Miyamoto live demoed like mario sunshine and wind waker like in the wind waker one went totally awry and i had to like pull the plug before he was finished with it because live demos always go poorly Mm -hmm. um so much more sales talk than we are certainly used to now especially with like um nintendo directs they never talk about like their own sales uh but a little bit less sales talk than they would do like especially during the wii and the ds generation because they did not have as much good news to share (laughs) Yeah, he definitely got the temp, like the temperature of the guy giving the pitch,
1: talking about the the numbers of how their sales were going, was very much like, we're all right, we're all right, everything's okay, it's she, okay. He was
0: totally willing to go. Like, the building's not on
1: fire. Yeah, he he was totally willing to say, we've sold a ton of Game Boy Advances, guys. Yeah, the fact that they immediately talk about their successes
0: with the Game Boy Advance should tell you where they are with their. Yeah, keep the line. There's yeah. definitely some hedging when it comes to the gamecube. It's like, yeah, it was like we're, we're doing great we're, in Europe. Uh huh. We're, we're we're not giving up. <laughs> yeah. But you know, we're hoping for some good momentum going forward. I thought a pretty solid lineup of big games. Uh, like I mentioned, Mario Sunshine, Wind Waker, Metroid Prime. They showed uh, these were not the announcements for any of these games, and that's something that happened at E3 a lot. And they brought it up under the guise, like they kept they kept this saying this over and over again, where they were like, "This is our
1: commitment to mature games." Mm. I guess that they thought, you know, that this was... Right. They're trying to challenge that notion that, you know, Nintendo is a kid's console. They
0: definitely had this image of this console is for younger people and we want to have, like, the the edgy stuff that... I mean, they still have that image. (laughs) But but I don't think it matters as much now. No, it does not because they're enjoyable. And we grew up in... Now the people who are, like, in their, you know, mid to late 20s running gaming outlets back then are now all in their... Uh, mid to late 40s and 50s and like they're not they don't care so much about like wanting to look mature like there is this uh, I think uh, an inferiority complex happening in gaming where they wanted the genre to be conflict, uh, uh, more relevant in mainstream culture so they felt like by having these mature offerings like look look this isn't just beeps and bloops for children. This is like stuff for serious people. And Yeah, you know, you're this
1: little boy sailing across the ocean with this little with this little green hat. And obviously <laughs>
0: that game is much more remembered than the other like yeah. mature content than the back then. But you know, uh, Animal Crossing oh, was can't also
1: switched. Dear-
0: the, the original Animal Crossing made an appearance yeah. with this half. Uh, I was thinking about it when I looked back at the lineup
1: of, I think that's what I said in our little chat. I was like, in a vacuum, this is a pretty solid lineup. Yeah. This, is a, this is a good, you know, Nintendo Direct. Right. <laughs> it's just that if you didn't know what was happening with the other
0: consoles out there, you wouldn't really have right. some perspective. And then they didn't have, uh, like, the, the content to sort of fill the gaps because a lot of these games... Uh, would not be out in 2002. You're starting to, like, poke into 2003, even, like, past the next E3 when all of these games start to come out. So, uh, Animal Crossing, they used to hype, like, the GBA connectivity. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a really interesting, like, early sign of wanting to have this synergy between the handheld and the console. And they sort of abandoned that when it came to the Wii and the DS. Those two consoles didn't really have, like, any sort of significant connectivity. But then, once you get, uh, of course, to the Wii U and the Switch, you see them wanting to oh, put this lineup back together. And Now it's just one system.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, Star Fox Adventures, F Zero, Warrior World, Mario Party 4, Fantasy Star Episode One and Two. Fantasy Star was the brief moment that they spent on online gaming. There's a big push at the time for for games to be going online. That was like the new cutting edge. Um, and I think like. It was like a game, and it really showed their continued emphasis on local gaming. Um, And that's still like a big emphasis there. There are games that you can play online, of course, Mario Kart Splatoon, but it it never became a big focal point for them because their general philosophy was then and still continues to be like, no, this is something that people should be sharing together in one space. Mm -hmm. Uh, they, They demoed Four Swords. It was pretty cool. Yeah, but the, the stumbling block of all this connectivity stuff has always been you have to have all these different accessories and just right. like watching the Animal Crossing one like I bring your Game Boy Advance and everyone gets a cable and plug this all in and look there's some other stuff good thing I brought my e-reader let me plug that into the top of my GBA and make this tower of a system <laughs> yeah. and now swipe these cards so I can put stuff into Animal Crossing yeah it was um, ooh, what a time to be alive yeah this is the pre Amiibo era, too. Yeah. Thinking. You know, they yeah, haven't yeah. yet figured it out. And there are new <laughs> Amiibos still coming. We're still in the Amiibo era. <laughs> so, you know, I think um, a lot of these weren't new announcements. Um, and, and that this sort of like, uh, if this was the show, like if this was a Nintendo Direct and these were the only games they show, half of the ones we already knew about, I don't think it would be tolerated nearly as pleasantly as it probably was back then. Uh, the, the press conferences and the Nintendo Rex now are now just about like, show me as many commercials as you can as quickly as possible. It's about like how many things get shown. Um, one thing that they did do that definitely would not be tolerated now is they hyped up some games that were already out, specifically the Resident Evil remake and Eternal Darkness. There was an evil one remake They was sort of like leading into. Resident Evil Zero is also coming out. And that one will be out in uh, November of 2003 or 2002. But to like have these commercials for games that were already released, definitely not something that would uh, go over smoothly now because people want like the next new thing. Yeah. But you know, I, I don't think they're wrong to try to push some more sales because they're two really great games. They're two top five GameCube games right now. True. I didn't spend too much time on the GBA. Did, the GBA? The GBA. The GBA I stand, yeah, the yep. GBA. I stand yep. by it. The yep. GBA SP. Uh, the GBA SP wasn't out yet, though. Uh, they that's did show... needed to. I mean, yeah.
1: That's doing well enough on their own. Right. If they're using that space to get
0: any info out to anybody, it should be like the GameCube exists. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, they show like Metroid Fusion, Yoshi's Island, a handful of other games. Uh, I mentioned the live demos ahead with Miyamoto, where the Wind Waker one screwed up a little bit. There was like a sword he was supposed to pick up from an enemy. when That, that got like audible ooze from the audience when like you could kill an enemy and then pick up its weapon and like use that as a, as, a, as a tool or an item like people were really impressed by that at the time Yeah. Um, but like he killed an enemy and was supposed to pick up its sword but the sword for some reason despawned so he had to be like well that's enough of this game for now After like he certainly like walked back and forth for a good minute saying like I'm supposed to find this sword and then ah, never mind <laughs> that, that's, that's Wind Waker everybody yeah. Um, they did show a couple of sizzle reels. They had one sizzle reel for the GameCube that was like broken down by genre. Look, we got racing games, and we got shooters, and we got yeah. uh, sports games and stuff. But yeah, it um, they're they they're trying. Yeah, but it's not going to go great. <laughs> a little peek into the future, the GameCube is not going to do great. And there was actually like uh, I was looking ahead, and I saw that there were a couple of games. Uh, Coming out in 2002, a handful that, like, they didn't really show that maybe they should have focused on a little bit more. There are a couple of Star Wars games, Jedi Knight 2 and Bounty Hunter, that are coming out on the GameCube at the end of the year. Uh, Super Monkey Ball 2 and Ikaruga are some games that they probably could have spent some time on. I, I think that they didn't need to spend much time on the gba but i think like just to kind of build general hype maybe they should have like spend some time talking about games like Mega Man zero castlevania contra 3 will get a port to the gba in 2002 uh there's a fantasy fantasy star collection kirby love a gba game so i think that there were some missed opportunities but you know they only had an hour and they need to talk about sales and show show some pie charts (laughs) Yeah, I think that that's
1: something that is is now E3 is, you know, defunct at this point but would be rebranded much later on where Mm -hmm. it would become, again, more of a fan-focused thing than an
0: investor-focused thing. And by, like, uh, 2008, 2009, um, there were some E3 presentations where Nintendo did spend time like actually treating it like a press conference and showing, like, this is how many Wiis and how many DSs that were selling and didn't focus Mm -hmm. a lot on actual game announcements and they'll, like, get roasted for that when uh, when that rolls around No, yeah. I mean it's dry content and that's yeah. not what they want right right uh, anything else about this E3 that we should address before we close the book on E3 of 2002 no I think that that's an interesting uh, time capsule yeah for to, sure to really see what was going on in the world of Nintendo yeah it was a much different uh, a much different Flavor of a show, that's for sure. A mm-hmm. uh, couple of Game Boy, or one Game Boy Advance game, and a couple of GameCube games I just wanted to mention releasing. Uh, we are once again in the summer season. In this particular era of uh, video games, like the, the GameCube and the PS2 generation, summer's a very slow time for video games, as we addressed before. Um, there's a Bomberman game, Bomberman Generation, came oh. out. Uh, actually back in June Um, developed by Hudson as you'd expect published by Majestico in North America it's not like a grid based battle game like we would like we're familiar with Bomberman games it's not like a polygonal action puzzle game like Bomberman Hero was on the N64 either this is a top down level based adventure game and it does have some camera control so you can like uh, zip around and reorient yourself in, uh, in your top down view. But you know, you drop your bombs to explode your obstacles, you grab your Bomberman upgrades like you would typically think of in Bomberman, you kick your bombs around to get some range. Uh, you got a couple of different multiplayer modes, and in those, you'll get like your typical Bomberman grid based versus uh, that you think of one with uh, Bomberman gameplay. It did get some uh, decent reviews. Low 8s. was surprisingly good for what i think that uh it's not too bad i I did notice some things when i was watching some footage i did not play this game um but i noticed that uh as you're moving around in the early levels uh in order to cross a river you have to blow up a tree uh to you know knock it down and build a bridge but sometimes the tree you need to blow up is on the opposite side of the river and um if you have your your screen oriented in the default mode you can't actually see it so the, the way that this guy was playing the game, he'd obviously played before, he was like kicking bombs to the other side of the river and knocking over trees. Like, how did he know it was there? So if you're playing the game, you actually have to use that camera to look around and find the things that you need to, uh, to use to access the opposite side of, of these puzzles. Now, the boss fights looked really tedious. There's a lot like standing standing around and waiting for your opening for like the, the thing to open up or the wind to stop. So you're just kind of like finding a place to hide until that, that looked a little bit tedious. Uh, some of the like, not really platforming, but just the locomotion looked a little bit tedious because it was again, a lot of standing around and waiting for the lily pad to come to the surface or like the thing to rotate around so you can get onto it. So, not super exciting gameplay there. Not like the high octane thrill ride that we've come to expect from the man. No, Pretty Pretty nice looking game, though. Nice, uh, bright, uh, colorful graphics. Um, short game, less than 10 hours. Sold very poorly. 250,000. So, not good. There, There's no other way to play this one. The only way you can do it is actually on the GameCube. I don't think there is a need to revisit it. I put it in our rankings. I put it underneath <laughs> Wave Race, but below... But, underneath wave race above Sega Soccer Slam which is good enough for number 13
1: I'm fine with that Who has any objections yeah, I think it's okay like, I'm watching through a boss fight right yeah. now where he's yeah, it fighting
0: some kind of ship and everything it looks fine yeah it seems fine it doesn't yeah really quick you guys over or under a used copy of this game 50 bucks Wait mm. over 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 yes yeah, mm. uh, what was sales 250,000 I'll say over
1: I, I, I will go under, but even under, I don't think you would buy this anyway. So I think I think I'm safe with an under bet. Und,
0: yeah, it is under. You can what? get yeah, even wow. with just the poor sales, you can still get a, a used copy for about $30, $40. bucks. You're not getting complete in box, of course, but you know that's a surprise. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so there, still no. no one cares about. <laughs> <Man>. Yeah. <Wow. laughs> There was a GBA game that came out in June called Pinball of the Dead, and the only reason I bring this up is because this is actually part of the House of the Dead series. Oh my god. It is a retelling of House of the Dead 1 and 2 as Pinball. That's nice. Um, It's published by uh, THQ in North America. Uh, House of the Dead is a Sega series. They didn't even publish this in North America. They published it in Japan. It was developed by WoW Entertainment. Uh, They're insignificant. Yeah. Uh, it is a game development division of Sega. They were known as Sega AM One. They'll eventually get merged and with another development team in 2003 as part of corporate consolidation, they don't really exist anymore. Um, but yeah, you, there, there's you're, you're using your pinball flappers to knock a ball around. There's zombies roaming, roaming around this pinball table. There's even like boss fights, like the first mm-hmm. boss fight in House of the Dead. You can like smack him with a pinball and. That's the, the entirety of the gameplay. There is a surprising amount of complexity to pinball. If you ever actually sit there and
1: look at a pinball mm. machine, yeah, there's yeah. all of these different things that are there that you wouldn't, you know, or it's like you got to take down in stages and do all these neat things and light up a bunch of stuff. And it's
0: like it's so much effort put into something. <laughs> so. Yeah. If, if you want to like get really good at, uh, and learn to rank up these really high scores in pinball, but you know, I would guess that 99% of the people who ever played pinball is like, no, let's just keep the ball going and hope for the best. Well, it seems
1: like the, like, the of, dead, uh, of the Dead series was willing to just experiment with anything. Right. This is, like, also the same time when they were making, like, typing of the dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like a, like a QWERTY keyboard typing game. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, yeah, in edutainment. Yeah. Yeah, they're gonna put them in middle schools all across the country. <laughs> so, do you guys know who Dunkey is? He's, like, a YouTube yeah. uh, video commentator guy. He has a really delightful video talking about not only why it's a fun novelty, but it's genuinely a, like, Good game, and it's exciting to play it. <laughs> the Typing of the Dead, yeah. Oh, nice. So, I mean, again, you
0: just the problem is you got to track down all the components and everything. Mm. So, so well, what do you guys think? Uh, use copy, over or under thirty bucks. I'm using these price points. Thirty bucks was like the going MSRP for GBA the, games. Of the this time. was GBA, right? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Mm. So, MSRP for GameCube games at the time was fifty bucks. Handheld GBA games, thirty bucks. I'll, I'll go over this time. I'll say lower this time to be different. Wes, well, you're two for two. It is Ooh. over. Starts around forty bucks for a cartridge. of this, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the other, the only GameCube game of any sort of note that came out in July of two thousand two was Aggressive Inline. This is an inline skating game, sort of uh, akin to Tony Hawk. Uh, I did. Uh, developed by a Z-axis and full flat, full flat to the GBA version. This is an an acclaimed game, and they no longer exist. Uh, This released on multiple platforms. um, Of course, uh, PS2, GameCube, Xbox, Game Boy Advance, all of the current platforms. But, you know, um, reviewed, like, surprisingly well. We're talking about, like, mid eights for this game. But we're we're definitely, I think, at this point, past the peak of Tony Hawk in terms of like maybe the quality of these games we're not totally past the sort of extreme sports fad there'll there'll be a lot of extreme sports adaptations of uh in video games but i think we're past the point to where like they're super popular so we'll still see like snowboarding games and i I think like the the beginning of the end is going to be next year 2003 when we get to i think it's I think it's uh, 2003, but BMX Triple X, where it's like a biking game that also has a nudity. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> and, and at that point, like, okay, we're all kind of done with this, right? You know, we'll, we'll get some Tony Hawk games and some things that will try to revitalize it, but we won't ever like achieve the same sort of quality or popularity as we would see with like Tony Hawk One and Two. Yeah, and I think
1: it's because like Tony Hawk started with such a cartoonish physics to begin with that at the same time they want to make a more realistic skate game. But you're already used to jumping five feet in the air on a right. ollie. That it's kind of hard to kind of make a more. Trippy. Oh, that was realistic. You could do that.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I think there is something. You um, do two kick flips off the ground, no problem. Yeah, I think there may, maybe there's some a bit more like mainstream popular about skateboarding as opposed to inline skating. Cause I think like at that point, like inline skating, you're only like a stone throw away from like figure skating or gymnastic tumbling. Shots fired. Yeah, not quite as edgy. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> So Let's see you do it No You'll, you'll never see me do it After that yeah. It's going to be like The
1: two sticks Where you're twirling the baton <laughs> oh, I, think,
0: I think we got The, uh, the next Pokemon quiz <laughs> <laughs> the, the winner of the next The loser of the next Wants to buy like Rollerblades And learn inline skating You have to yep. take up a hobby You have to up a hobby It's fun a, hobby. It's a fun yep. I'm <laughs> not going to lie It's fun though <laughs> Okay Like inline
1: skating it's just genuinely fun I haven't done it In a decade I'm sure But Okay Yeah I never learned to skate. I cannot skate. Oh. I do not have the balance. I think you
0: could. I believe in you.
1: you figure it out. Thanks, Sean. Ryan,
0: you
1: you got anything for video games? Uh, You don't even want to mention UFC Throwdown? I don't. Mm. (sighs) Me neither. Good. (laughs) Um, (laughs) No, actually, one really big game did come out for, like, gaming in general, Warcraft Mm 3, Reign of Chaos. Mm -hmm. One of the biggest games of the year. Um... It is a, uh, a great game. It was, the at the time, the fastest-selling PC game. Oh, shit. Um, a record that it took from Blizzard, who have just released Diablo two, which was then the fastest-selling game. So yeah, Warcraft is a staple series from Blizzard. It's their RTS, one in which like humans and orcs are fighting with elves that was supposed to be very much like a rock-paper-scissor kind of dynamic that you would also have in like their StarCraft series. Um, I played this game a bunch back then, and I loved it. Um, even if this game itself... I mean, by the way, this game would be great. It's regarded as one of the best games of this era. Um, it's also probably best thought of as being an influential game. I think there's a lot of direct spinoffs from this game. And then a bunch of styles of game that exist kind of because of this game, which is important. Um, uh, for, first and foremost, like... Defense of the Ancients, which would become Dota 2. Um, The entire MOBA genre Mm. exists because of Warcraft 3. It was literally built on the engine Dota was. And then if you don't have Dota, you don't have League of Legends. I mean, it's just super influential for that alone, just creating that playstyle that really took over. I think at one point there were 10 million concurrent players in Dota. Which is just People at the same time playing the game. Not even talking about sales of a video game. Like that's crazy. Absolute crazy numbers produced there. Uh, Plants for Zombies wouldn't exist. Um, that whole tower defense thing kind of exists because of this. Um, you know, I, I do think it's actually genuinely a fun and interesting game. You know, with all of these different classes that you get to build. Um, and even if this one is, uh, people probably remember more like. World of Warcraft. World of Warcraft yep. was so, so much bigger. But it wouldn't exist if not for the foundation of this. Along, You know, alongside, I'm sure, like, you know, Hearthstone and Heroes of the Storm and all the other games that they're making. I have wanted to go back and play this game because I have played a lot of these um, RTS didn't, games in the past, like
0: Command and & Conquerors. And, didn't they remake this one recently? Yeah, I believe so. Hmm. Yeah, it, it is uh, It is kind of a shame. I think, uh, like we were saying, similar to sort of extreme sports video game uh, phenomenon or, or era. We're getting to the point where we're almost past that, and we're just about the point where we're past sort of RTS's, at least in sort of like sort of mainstream success, which is a shame because I really like RTS's. But, uh, well, I think there's also okay, like, after this one, I don't, I can't think of another high profile one to like StarCraft II, which is not until five I or mean, six years after this. Which is wild to think because the, the longevity of these games mm-hmm. is absolutely unreal. Yeah. You
1: know, that there's still. Uh, people playing StarCraft are still people playing Dota and League of Legends. And, I still but, play League of Legends. Yeah, like didn't they just have like a World of Warcraft like reboot essentially? Were they kind well, of, they did an expansion.
0: Yeah, was um, so, like a vanilla mode or something like. Kind yeah, of oh it yeah. Back, well, they did that. They did that years ago. Yeah, a couple of years they, back, they like re released or like made re-accessible just the base base vanilla um, World of Warcraft. They gave you a little
1: bit of a. a Clean up and everything like that as well, and they released um Burning Crusade, and then I think the latest one they did is still just Wrath of the Lich King. I don't think they've done Pandora yet. Okay, but oh, and, yeah, and I stopped playing World of Warcraft. One, my PC can't keep up with it. Two, it's just a grindy mess of
0: yeah. I it's kind of like what people like about it, though. Like I understand it. People like you and me might not get into that, but like, there, there are people like it's, it's very like. Uh, soothing and addicting to kind of do the repetitive things over and over again. Yeah, it it does get very repetitive especially when you're sitting here like, I got nine different characters, I gotta keep them all
1: maxed up, so I gotta go do my daily thing on all nine of my characters and if you're that obsessive with the game, but that's not Warcraft, that's Oh yeah, most of Warcraft matches will last 20 minutes maybe um, They're not the super long fun. Oh, and the, the probably the coolest thing about it that makes it different than just being like medieval Starcraft is that so much of the gameplay is centered around the whole summoning of the heroes that occurs, and all the different races have a group of heroes. So you can sort of pick one and then take a different kind of path based on who you pick. So like the humans, for example. I mean, I'm trying to think of who all they are, but you can get like Uther, I think is his name. He's this little dwarf where he's got a huge hammer. He's much more defense-oriented. they've got this wizard guy that can summon, you know, summon... uh, like these water monsters that would attack things for him. You know, so... Probably think of Jaina. Jaina Proudmore. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. Uh, No, it was... was, She was in it, but I don't think it was her. It was like an old-looking dude. It was an old wizard dude. Looked like Gandalf or something. Um, And, yeah, yeah. yeah. Who's the main guy that becomes the Lich King or whatever? Uh, Arthas. Arthas. Yeah, Arthas. 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 He's there, you know. Uh, So, yeah. Um, it's a great game. Really fun game, but probably pretty dated. I mean, yeah, it's a sort of a bygone style of game, and now everyone's moved on to the idea of tower defense stuff.
0: I wonder if it's uh, available. Because kind of a while back, sure several years ago, oh, yeah. uh, Blizzard was just giving away digital copies of StarCraft. And I wonder if there's like a, a storefront where you can still get this thing.
1: Yeah, there is a classic section of, of Blizzard's thing where you can mm. go into it and buy older games i mean as far as i understand mm-hmm. you can still buy original vanilla diablo 2. oh nice like even though they have the res- diablo 2 resurrected um, and all these other new diablo games you can still go back and play the original
0: version if you want because it would be really nice to just play through some old RTSs. sorry oh, a few years back actually um when, when we were all just told a to shelter in place because of covid i went and downloaded uh the first four command and congress and played through all those nice because what else are we going to do? True. So, uh, any other uh, video game stuff that we should get to before we, we move on here? No, I mean, I think that covers it. Uh, unless you want to talk about Car Battler Joe for the GBA. I don't. Um, there, there were a couple of PS2 games that I figured I might as well mention. Uh, Mark of Cry. Uh, this was actually developed by Sony in-house. and sort of a proto-God of War <laughs> um, it looks so much like a God of War, right? Yeah. It's like, like Kratos, right there on the uh, on the box. He's got a bow staff instead of you know whatever, whatever sort he's using now, or or, axe or Yeah, it's like if it looks like the poster for a Disney film about Kratos.
1: <laughs> 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 Actually, <laughs> yeah, it does. Holy crap! Again,
0: like got uh, got pretty decent reviews. Got an eighty currently on Metacritic, so you know not quite as good as Aggressive Inline or, or Bomberman, but solid. Weird enough. And then the, the other uh, PS2 game I wanted to mention was a game called Hidden Invasion. Mm-hmm. And I only bring this one up because it has, currently has a 39 on Metacritic. So you don't see that side of the scale. But it installs malware. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I wanted to read a couple of the uh, review excerpts from this one. Official PlayStation Magazine gave it the highest score, gave it a 6. Everything else is, is super low. Uh, IGN gave it a 35 out of 100. This is not just a bug. This feels like the confluence of at least three different bugs working together. <laughs> like the, the folks at Sony Quality Assurance must just have thrown up in their hands and said, S- ship that sucker. <laughs> um, another review. Um, it, it tries to tie together X-Files with something along the lines of Red Dawn, but ends up being another boring 3D up uh you do this with the eight oh of the camera angle slow reactions moves which force you to fight in the wrong direction clumsy controls yeah not good mm-hmm. not good at all but that's rough yeah kind of kind of fun that uh it goes i wonder if you can download that one anywhere because hidden invasion yeah. of an so I want to do some music yeah, let's do it. Cool.
1: Guys, be, be thrilled that this is a fairly brisk month for music. There's not that many records to talk about. Yeah, only 25. How strange. Only 25. I think you're 14, which may be the lowest we've done since, like... Ever. Yeah. February 2000. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll start the list off here. Uh, the number one in the month on album of the year was uh, The Flaming Lips, Yoshima Battles the Pink Robots. you ever heard of these guys? No, that's amazing. I've heard amazing. the song, though. Yeah. Oh, you know that song? I know. I know that song. Yeah, um, so this is their 10th record. They're a band from Oklahoma City. Uh, they make very, like, psychedelic pop music, sort of in the very shimmery hi-fi music in the vein of, like, it's, ELO or David Byers. At least when it turns to that one song, it's very chill and yeah. just kind of catchy and just kind of bounce along with it. And it's just, it's, yeah, it's a very yeah. gentle, pleasant song. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, that, that single that you're talking about is called is, is part one. Y- Yoshima Battles and Pink Robots part one. Or I think I'm saying that right. It's Yoshimi. I've never said this right. I think it's Yoshimi. Yeah, I'm not even a big fan of this band, frankly. Um, but there's another big song here called Do You Realize, which is a very epic song that has been used a thousand times. Um, I guess it's a good record. I don't think that it deserves its place in sort of like pop history as being this particularly great album. Like, it's weird that people latched onto this. By the way, this album barely broke gold, meaning it barely sold 500,000 hmm. albums. So nobody even bothered to buy it. Oh, no. I think people just <laughs> liked it or claimed they liked it. Again, it's one of those things where... The hipster pack. Sure was influential, but did anyone actually buy it? No. Hmm. Uh, but, yeah. I mean, again, it's, it's, if you like ELO, if you like David Bowie's more psychedelic sci-fi... Material. I think it's a good. It's a really good, enjoyable record. Um, you also had Red Hot Chili Peppers releasing. By the way, this is actually only their eighth album. I figured they would have had more albums. Um, it's got a lot of big hits on it. They're back with this guy, John Frescenti, who um, everything you hear about this guy is a total piece of shit. Um, but he is the guitarist of the band Red Hot Chili Peppers, and he is back. Um, and big He's a solid guitarist. Yeah, he's the one that gave River Phoenix the drink that killed him. Oh, oh no! Um, yeah, he spiked it. Oh. Um not intentionally to kill him, but just in a sort of that like, we know of negligent manslaughter kind of way killed him. Hmm. Uh, so John Freshenti is an asshole. Um, and yeah, so it's this. This action just I shouldn't have led him with that. Red <laughs> Hot Chili Peppers are well, On that note, here's this music. <laughs> so there's this murder in this band. Yeah, like, we all know Red Hot Chili Peppers, right? It's like a yeah. funk band, funk rock band. Yeah, like big, I like big Red Hot. Arena albums. This one has, by the way, universally speaking, Zephyr song, Can't Stop. Like, this was a real, had a lot of hit tracks on mm-hmm. it. Granted, it's 68 minutes, so... It's a long album. There's a lot of material there. I really enjoyed going back and listening to it in spite of... Um, Anthony Kiess's extremely cringy lines every once in a while. He simultaneously feels like he's doing New Agey stuff, like but also sleazy pickup lines. It's like he merged the two together and then just wrote all of these songs about it. This album sold 11 million copies, big seller. And I think this is the most impressive thing about this. They would go on a 15-month, 150-show international tour oh, to damn. support this record. 15 months. Yeah, 50, yeah a, a year and three months. Yeah. To do 150 shows. Yeah, that's a lot. All over the mm-hmm. world. Playing in places that they've never played before, that have never had concerts as big as this. And that's partly why I think this album sold so well. It has some some of their more memorable tracks, is that the whole world heard it. So, um, you know, good good for them. I think
0: this is a pretty pretty quality album. Yeah, I, I liked uh, going back and revisiting this one. I really oh, liked you it. I, I'm talking um, here. I, I really about uh too much to say about it. I really liked uh, the song "Dose." It was a five minutes, it was the fourth track on it. Yeah, but like this a good song? Yeah, really like uh, uh, melancholy, kind of a ballad. But then, um, like one, one of the lines of in in the chorus has to do with like killing somebody. So it was like this very like dry. Like wait, what is the song actually about? But yeah, it's a nice listen. He has
1: a line where he says, um, "I want to be your dopamine. I, w- I want to see your Wolverine." And, <laughs> and I'm like, what "The fuck <laughs> are you talking about? <laughs> what are you, you losing?" Oh, I remember that. <laughs> Go yeah. away. Good line. <laughs> you sweaty human being get a shirt get a shirt on <laughs> oh man yeah so I don't know it's it's, it's a good re- I feel like Red Out Chili the I'm sure you were really satisfied with this record it was a big one um, Oasis releases Heathen Chemistry this is really a band that's fallen off and again this is only their fifth album as a band you know you would, like Oasis had a ton of hit records they were like the bar rock band of the 90s and they just have another album that's very ho-hum Sound, I gave it a listen and nothing stuck out. It sounded like they liked the Beatles as best, not as, best as I can say about it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> There's really big Beatles fans. Yeah. They, they like the Beatles as much as they hate each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sold a million copies in England alone. Okay. Uh, but if you take away that, it probably sold about 50 copies. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, they're a band that is still huge, huge in England, but no one really cares about them out, outside of that market at this point. Mm-hmm. They're They're way past those... You know, iconic albums that they had um, that you can't not go to karaoke and hear somebody sing. So um, they have their place, but this is this is definitely a band that's uh, whatever drugs they stopped doing, they probably should take them again. <laughs> <my> <laughs> just, just
0: one last hurrah. Yeah. Just one last time, do one more do album. Do it safely. Do it yeah. safely, but do it. Um, Bruce Springsteen releases
1: Rising. This is kind of another big record of the month because this is you know, this is twelfth album. He is of course from Jersey, the very Dust Bowl, Americana rocker. Do you look give this one a listen by any chance? No, no. Okay, um, what would I say about it? It's like the first album that he's made since the September eleventh attacks. And if there is a single artist that is America, isn't it kind of Bruce Springsteen? Like he's a man that has had him in front of American flags on his albums and it doesn't feel like nationalist bullshit. He's the. It's genu- like
0: like, well, like he brings everybody together. Yeah, like you can like have like your, your country music stars and maybe, you know, maybe most people like like Garth Brooks, but like Bruce Springsteen is like everyone. Garth Brooks, like, yeah. He's, is he Canadian? I mean, maybe I don't
1: know. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, you're you know you're right. I think he does kind of he he is sort of the everyman rocker, um, and yeah, so he, he is making an album, and I think he does well to not really have. You can tell a lot of it is about the September 11th attacks, or seems to be about it, but it's not really directly about it. He talks a lot, he sings a lot in metaphor, and he has a lot of songs that just feel like they are uh, American experiences in a lot of ways that anybody can identify with or put something of their own life into that it doesn't necessarily have to be about a specific thing in his life. Um, Yeah. I mean, it's it's seventy two minutes long. Whew. Granted, it's been seven years since he made a record, so it's like it's been it's, a long. It's got it's, a lot to say. That's by far the longest gap in his discography up until that time. Normally, he is he's pumping out albums and live performances and stuff. So um, that's all right. I, and I also think it's a good counterpoint because like we're not talking about this record, but Toby Keith released Unleashed in the same month. Toby Keith is very much the dirt road, cold beer, pandering asshole mm. country guy. And he has that, like, that, whatever, that kick-your-ass red, white, and blue song that was so obviously, you know... It, I mean, it captured in a way, I think, a sound some people wanted to hear of a pissed-off mm-hmm. middle, America, middle America guy being mad at Muslims, but, like, I think Bruce Springsteen is the intelligent version of the sadness that we all felt from the events, so... I don't know. It's, uh, it's even worth listening to, really. Like, you, you like... It's a great album. I personally don't like Bruce Springsteen all that much, or as much as I feel like I should.
0: You so. <laughs> feel obligated a little bit to like Bruce Springsteen? I think Springsteen. so,
1: God. Yeah, I think, you know... It's okay to uh,
0: like Bruce Springsteen. It's it okay. feels uh, somehow un-American to say that Bruce Springsteen
1: <laughs> isn't great. Is anything less than amazing. <laughs> um, you know what? The guy didn't pay his taxes, though. Oh, in the seventies, yeah, he did not pay his taxes. All right, yeah, don't so, worry, we'll get him. Yeah, I remember, <laughs> no, he, he ultimately trued it up, but he said, I think there was some funny. I, I found this when I was looking up information about Bruce Springsteen because the music wasn't interesting enough. I was it like, I have a to find date. something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he apparently in the mid eighties, a lot of his tours and everything he was doing was basically to pay off a settlement with the IRS. Okay, <laughs> to pay
0: his back taxes. <laughs>
1: It's like Mike Cage
0: doing bad movies to pay off while he has. Must be nice though. It must be nice to be in that sort of position in your life. You're like, hey, you owe us money. Fine, I'll go do some concerts or make some movies.
1: Yeah. Moving on. Uh, the Vines released an album called Highly Evolved. This is again kind of peak garage punk, I guess you could say, garage rock era. Like at this time, I mean we're not that far removed from the white stripes and the hives all releasing records. This band's from Australia. They had a big song called "Get Free," uh, which people probably thought was an Oasis song or something. I don't know. Like I, and I know that song by its title, and, and the second it started playing, I was like, "Oh yeah, of course, this song." Um, all in all, the record, aside from that single, I didn't particularly care about. Moving on, RJD2 releases "Dead Ringer." So I actually love this record. This is a hip hop record, specifically like a turntablist record. Um, I think that what he's doing is kind of in the vein of what kid koala and dj shadow do which is make soundtrack albums i think that they're making hip-hop records but it's all with the idea that they're making the soundtracks to movies that don't exist you know so there's all these weird found samples and stuff in the mix and his actually has some genuine soul to it like it feels a little more I don't know, real and heartfelt rather than rather than like what DJ Shadow and Kid Koala do which is like, here's what I can do with the turntable stuff. He's more, more, not trying to do something that's so showy. He's just making, I think, beautiful music. Really, really good. Or like the Avalanches. The Avalanches are a band that people gush over who I just don't think are that good. And, and they do the same thing where it's like, yeah, they found a bunch of wild samples and threw it together and it made this Funny album, but at no point is there any humanity to it.
0: There's no soul in it. Shots fired. Um, <laughs> you're, you're taking on the avalanche of Bruce Springsteen. I'm taking on inline skating as a, <laughs> as a concept.
1: <laughs> you know what? But I think we're. I think at the end of the day, we're going to look back and say we were right. <laughs> we, we were
0: correct. Right. Take a stand on something.
1: Yeah. I got nothing right now. Mm. Okay. No, you got to. You got to go something. What's something that gen, people generally Like my thing.
0: Hate Chick Fil A. Okay, Chick-fil-A's garbage. Okay, I haven't been to a Chick-fil-A in a long, long time. I mean, Do the Lord's work. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else?
1: Let me point me on the spot here. I got nothing. You come up, come up with that. I'll
0: move to the next album. And then you can... Uh, you know what? I don't see what the big deal on Star Wars is. Ooh. I'm with you on that. I'm I with think, you on that. Yeah, I think they're perfectly fine. I don't know why people are freaking the fuck out about. See, I, I, I've, I've seen most of them. Yeah. Um, three of them I hated. Uh, the, the the ones that came out like the 70s and the early it was pretty good yeah, they were exactly. alright I don't see what the fuss is though it's yeah, fine it's cool yeah. um, but like it, to, to me like the, the thing that gets out of my skin the most about Star Wars is uh, several years back um before, like, uh, 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 nerd culture or geek culture really became in vogue, the sort of, like, way to get sort of the, the sort of credibility. was like, oh, yeah, I'm a nerd. I'm like Star Wars. And you see, like, celebrities going on, like, nighttime talk shows, like Letterman. stuff so like, yeah, I'm a big nerd. I love Star Wars. That's, like, baseline shit.
1: Yeah. That's
0: like saying, I like fantasy books. I read Tolkien. Don't be wrong. Tolkien, great. Well, I love those movies. Those are fun. But, like, it's, it's so, like, this is just, this is entry level. Star Wars is entry level to nerd culture. Fuck Star Wars. I agree. I You're the same way Star Trek. Star Trek is a little bit more in there, but. I'm, I can't speak to. I don't know. I'm not familiar with much Star Trek. But also, I'm not a big Star Trek fan. Oh, are we all going to commit to watching Deep Space Nine? Let's just binge it. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've actually watched a lot of Next Generation. I think am? it's a very
1: good show. Hmm. I actually really do enjoy Who it. Who doesn't love Patrick Stewart? Yeah, you know, it's a lot of moral lessons. I think that um, each episode has its own. Like, it might as well be a fucking Sesame Street episode or something. With how it. it wants to deliver an important moral or ethical question to you know, as you watch the episodes, I think it's. Um, I would have been a fun crossover Sesame Street and yeah, Star Trek. Well, the other problem <laughs> is that it's store. also it's also extremely sterile. It's also a, a show that like the characters don't really like aren't cool. Like, Riker is the closest thing to, like, a quote-unquote cool guy, and it's just that he's got a fucking beard. Like, <laughs> <laughs> how edgy. It doesn't right. even start with that beard. You know? Yeah, LeVar <laughs> yeah, the, cool, cool. the
0: the Burton's got the, the visor. Like, he's got to be cool. He's got to be a cool I mean, guy. I guess he's
1: a Yeah, but then it'd we got cool fucking guy. Will Wheaton on there, and then are just like, dear God, shut up. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think it's an... Enjoyable. Who's like this kid on the
0: bridge? Get the fuck out. Like, <laughs> I don't know if we've passed it already, but, like... The, the one Star Trek thing that I think of, like, oh yeah that was really good was that, that, that first Contact movie that was, yeah, oh, was, really that was really good. good that was good It was legitimately good yeah
1: mm.
0: when did that come out Ooh, that would have been the early 2000s I'm guessing you, you, you keep going I'm gonna look it up yeah, yeah back to the, what the actual you're gonna take a stand on something at some point I <laughs> got
1: no stands man alright so fam- actually noted Star Trek fan Lil Wayne <laughs> Released really? five hundred degrees? No, I don't. Maybe, maybe I don't know. <laughs> I'm assuming. I'm gonna Google that. Does Lil Wayne like Star Trek? Probably not. I'm guessing he doesn't. So this is um, Lil-, Lil Wayne is a huge, huge artist, and will be in the mid two thousands and kind of to today, like one of the biggest names in hip hop. Um, but at this point, he's still sort of in his cocoon, um, in his Cash Money cocoon, and uh, he'll he, he's made this good enough album with you know Manny Fresh, Fresh producing it uh, Manny Fresh is one of the big timers another staple guy in the Cash Money lineup um, he has a distinct production style that will become heavily associated with trap music in the long run uh, but this album sounds like he's been listening to a lot of Neptunes because a lot of it's got that kind of janky silly Neptunes production to it all in all Lil Wayne not a very good rapper at least mm. not on this album. He's not particularly great. I always think that he's one of those guys... He's like a spice. He works better when he's like doing the guest vocals on someone else's track, and he only has to do maybe 20 to 30 seconds of rhymes. Versus having to do, in this case, uh, 71 minutes of rhymes. Oh, man. A lot of long albums. <laughs> yeah, it's a long one. It's a really, really long one. Um, it's got some good songs on it, though. I enjoy it. And, and his next three albums will be the... Called the Carter. Each one will be called the Carter, one, two, and three. And those will be Mammoth records. So we're a few years away from those, but you know, on, on its own. Like if, if you like cash money music and if you like Manny Fresh, this is a solid record and it's got it's got its moments. I just think Lil Wayne, like he he gets by more on style than he does on being a talented MC. Mm. Um, into the punk category, uh, my chemical romance. They released uh, I Brought You My Bullets, You Brought Me Your Love. I've never really been a big My Chemical Romance guy, yeah, um, right. but they're one of the biggest fans of the emo genre in the mid-2000s. They're going to have the, the Black Parade's going to come out. Uh, they're going to have some really huge records. They will be probably the single biggest band in this sound for a, for a minute there. This is a rougher record, though. This is a pretty raw record. I like it. I think it sounds really, really good. Um, And I went back and read some reviews. People were, like, talking about how bad the production was and how he's, like, fucking screeching and his voice is brutal and all that. And it's like, no. Let's calm down. This is a melodic pop-punk record. It's a good one, too. It's actually got some some great tracks on it, like Our Lady Sorrow and Skylines and Turnstiles, I think, are great. There's definitely, like, a bleak theatrical thing that they're doing that, of course, is going to become really, really big when they get bigger production budgets and make more, um, I don't know, arena music i guess but if anyone liked af the band afi especially the early material from afi that's precisely what this sounds like it's a it's a good record cool cool that i don't think it's their debut i think it's their second album technically um but yeah it's 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 great solid um moving on glass jaw oh but, but did you guys listen to them my chemical no. Romance at all no. i mean i i know black parade and stuff i don't know about this album but yeah And, like, you know, I like Black Parade a lot. I think it's a great, great record. This album does not have any of that. It's really just a kind of a bare-bones pop-punk experience. It doesn't have that kind of polish and studio magic that you get. And also, frankly, just the catchy songs. They don't have those catchy songs. that's what it is. Uh, Glassjaw releases Worship and Tribute. Their singer is Daryl Palumbo, who I like a lot. That was a mouthful. Yeah, yeah. Um... sounds like a Rick and Morty character. Daryl Palumbo. Daryl Palumbo. (laughs) He he has Crohn's disease. I don't know. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Why I'm leaning in with this again, but this is what I know about the guy. He actually, um, yeah, he's he's a very high-profile advocate for people with Crohn's disease. Hmm. Um, Do you know what that is? Yeah. Digestive disorder. Yeah. Um, Really debilitating um, when you have flare-ups. So... um, feel Bad for the dude. They've had literally had, he's literally had to cancel tours because of it, where he's had to go to the hospital. So, um, and then this is also kind of, I think, people didn't really like, definitely didn't know how to treat it. It's just weird that that would be the thing yeah. of all of the things that derail rock stars when it comes to hard drugs. The poor guy just like, I don't know, can't eat salted cured meats, hmm. but I see the hair right there. So, Glass <laughs> Worship and Tribute is a really good record. It's like a screamo kind of post hardcore record his voice is brutal on it though his voice is genuine anyone that that thought fucking my chemical romance was a rough listen should definitely give this one a spin i think uh, i think it's great it's so so good they sound like um like at the drive-in maybe or a little bit like blood brothers uh moving on, we got the band orchid they released their self-titled album they're a massachusetts screamo outfit Again, uh, verging on what you would call power violence, if you'll allow me to get into the niche subgenres. I'll allow it. They do something that's a little, um, a little more aggressive and more gritty than what your typical screamo band does. These guys are actually mean; they're not just mad. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> there's malice. <laughs> yes, there's a genuine sense of malice in their music. 19 tracks, 24 minutes. Ooh, efficient. Wasting no time. No time at all, and it's it's actually um, track by track. It's it's a diverse set of music. Like you can see why each one of these is its own unique thought. It's not like they recorded a bunch of these just different blast beat driven tracks. It's good. Um, there is no electronic and ambient music.
0: <sighs>
1: I know, guys. Nice Sid month. Uh, Breaking Benjamin released really "Saturate." Have you guys ever heard? Oh, of sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. What
0: were the tracks on this one?
1: Oh, uh, did, which ones did I write down? Or um, do I even remember? I thought. I've been listening to this one a lot. Uh, it's got. my am I remembering like or not remembering this well? What's well, is, is, is doing It's that. got saturate for one thing, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It leads in with saturate. Uh, wish I may next to nothing. Home shallow bay skin. I like skin. Uh, polyamorous phase. I oh, yeah, polyamorous. Games, that was like second track yeah, these, on there. Yeah, these guys
0: were were inescapable uh, Water, on, on, our, on our local. Uh, Rock Station 101.1 here in Orlando. Yep. They they play these guys all the the
1: Mm time. I think Phase. Like Home, Phase, Water, that whole run of tracks towards the end. Really, really good. Yeah, Medicaid, Polyamorous. Mm -hmm. I actually really enjoy... I, I kind of always associated these guys with like fucking... Creed. Yeah. I always thought they were kind of like in that vein of Nickelback Creed bands, and then I actually listened yeah,
0: to so them. Yeah, said these are good. Yeah, yeah, that sort of music can be good. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, Breaking Benjamin, figure out how to do it. Yeah. They, they crack the code.
1: Yeah. Well, also, I think that if you listen to them, they're doing different sounds. There isn't really even this Breaking Benjamin track on there. It sounds like other bands' songs. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's a song in there that reminds me a lot of Bush. There's a track that sounds like System of a Down. One track I literally thought just like a Tool track. And of course, like there's some tracks that sound like Nickelback. There's some pop-punk even stuff that might even pass as like Ataris tracks. Um, I don't know. I think this is a really good record. I've loved it. I've been, you know, I go to the gym and I, like, I'll row. And it's good to have music. If it would be so monotonous to row without music. And this is one of those albums where that was just in my 2002 playlist. And it would just play through and I was like, oh, this actually went pretty good. I wanted to give it a genuine, serious listen, and I
0: came away a fan. Sounds actually really, really good. Going to the gym is so tedious, no matter what you're doing. Is it though? It's so yeah, so fucking boring. Go with a friend. No. Well, I, I I'm not gonna buy a gym membership. There's gyms at work, and I use those. Yeah. Um. I got. It's just like being being on a treadmill or an elliptical, even for just like twenty minutes. Like I'm so fucking bored. I'll put, put on some put, music. Yeah, put on some music. Pop your phone up and watch a TV show. Well, what, what I, even pull out your even switch. Even that, like well, I, I can't because my arm is like it's, it's hard to use the switch. But what, what I would have been doing for because the he's trying. He's trying. He's, tried. he's yeah. actually trying. Yeah. Tried, yeah. Um, What I've been doing the past uh, couple of years, actually, is there's a guy who does uh, run-throughs of Resident Evil games, the the remakes and the classics, and I just watch someone play Resident Evil while I'm running. And even that started to get tedious. Yeah. I can only watch him do it so many times. I go with a friend of mine, and he... Shows me routines and stuff Because so I don't know what to do it Must be nice it Must yeah. be nice having friends All right I mean, Would you like to join this show? No <laughs> <laughs> I'm not paying for a gym membership We've covered that He would <laughs> like to meet you guys He listens to the podcast Oh yeah How's it going? <laughs> we good, good, good guy go Good guy. Uh, Well I mean Not that everybody listening I go to a zoo Down by the mall no. Okay. That's vague enough To where yeah. No one's going to know What mall you're talking about And there's a couple zoos Yeah mm-hmm. There's one uh, You ever been to the Brevard Zoo? They got rhinos. Ooh. They're terribly endangered. Anyway, where were we? Moving on, I guess. Yeah. We'll talk
1: about a band called Dark Tranquility. You guys ever heard of Dark Tranquility? Oh, that's edgy. I have not. It is, because uh, there's always one every month, apparently. This is sw- uh, Swedish melodic death metal. Oh, perfect. Yeah, so we're, ba- we're back to that again. This one's not so bad. Not just pretty, pretty good. Um, I think it's a little heavier than a lot of the offerings we've heard lately from this scene. It sounds a little bit like In Flames. Um, but I don't know I, I, C I wish, minus I wish these guys I just wish these guys were a little tougher mm. I wish these guys played a little harder I guess I don't know it's actually pretty good They're to
0: hold offer. back a little bit you think
1: yeah I, I think what's nice one thing I will say no clean singing there's no melodic singing on the entire record which creates a vibe I think it's important I think if you're making death metal it's probably be at least a little gross you can't can't all the symphonic what have you. Nor should you try. It can't, yeah. can't be that. And don't try. Yeah. Uh, the band Skindred released a song called Babylon. Skindred is a weird band because they sort of combine two sounds. They combine reggae with new metal. Hmm. And you would think that sucks. You would really think that sucks. I think they actually do okay with it. It's not so bad. It ends up sounding just like maybe like a more tougher sublime or something, I guess. Okay. Um, I'm not a big fan of them, uh, but this is by far their biggest record. I think it went platinum. Um, so this is, a, this is a big one for them. Um, and the one last album to talk about, this is a heavy album, Cattle Decapitation. They released it album oh called goodness. To Serve Man. Cattle Decapitation is, this is their debut record, but they had been around for a few years prior, releasing a bunch of EPs and singles with other bands. Um, I think now they're one of the biggest bands in this little subgenre called Death Grind, you know, combining death metal and grindcore. Um, they are called cattle decapitation because they were at the time all vegan. This was a this is a animal rights band, hmm. I guess you could say. It's not a particularly good record. I think it's pretty like that first track you listen to is like, man, this is intense stuff. This is really cool. Um, but they really don't do much other than that. They kind of, it's kind of like they got one speed like Motorhead. They just make the same song over and over again and while it works for Motorhead it doesn't necessarily work for these guys all that well they're going to make much better music down the line again these are one of the biggest fans I saw them I saw them 2021 I think a couple years ago um, you know they're they again a really really good band and I know that it's gross to say that you listen to a band called Cattle Decapitation I'm aware it's, nasty. <laughs> it's a nasty name um, and they're a nasty band so that's what you get oh and their singer his name's Travis Ryan I think that um, those are two first names but yeah, he, he's aware he's real <laughs> ashamed he starts every interview with an apology <laughs> <laughs> yeah no Travis Ryan is um, really important for metal vocals I think because he has that interesting duality where he's got a lot of different stuff he can do with his voice um, and it creates a nice aesthetic to their music which is again just nasty as fuck um, so yeah I would say don't start with "To Serve Man," but definitely go listen to some Capitol
0: Capitation records. Cool, and that's it. That's music. Nice. Um, oh, you know we didn't do Game of the Month. We didn't do Game of the Month. Um, Work, uh, Warcraft three? Probably. Oh, I, yeah. I don't think aggressive. line is through it. No, it's the Bomberman game. <laughs> Bomberman came out in June. though. Oh, I think yeah. Lucky for Warcraft. Yeah, and I think uh, Eternal Darkness is our game in June. Okay. I don't think Bomberman is going to dethrone that. Uh, An album of the month. What do you think? Um ooh, I'm actually can't believe I would say this. I've actually tempted to give this
1: to Breaking Benjamin. Yeah. Cool. I really
0: enjoy that record. It's I I listened to that more than any other record this It's time. good. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, let's do some movies Ryan do you have uh, I I have the numbers available I haven't really looked at them do you have like the the box office numbers handy I have the box office numbers as well do you want to guess this time or if you want me to guess what do you think Uh, unless Wes already memorized these oh I have them all right here on my phone
1: (laughs) I I think it would be such a power move on your part to memorize them (laughs) (laughs) beforehand and then just guess each one
0: exactly every time Uh, I'll I'll, I'll guess this time I'll take a guess this
1: time you want to guess yeah okay very very cool Oh, by the way, how many movies do you have? I didn't even put any of this on your
0: notes. I don't think. I have nine. I, I, I listed nine. Same here. I got okay. nine movies. Okay, I Wonder so. if you have the nine same ones. That would be an interesting. One, well, why don't you want? To, uh, well, let's, let's start off with uh, like Mike. Uh, that one? is on my list. John uh, John Schultz feature. This one, uh, I, I don't know much about. Actually, my younger brother Jeff really liked this movie so I'm kind of vaguely aware of the, the concept there is a, a child and sort of like children's sports movie fashion he uh, through some sort of happenstance gets these magical shoes that make him really good at basketball oh okay it's a there's, there's like no rule against kids playing basketball so he's allowed to play professionally yeah, I didn't write down anything. I have
1: no notes about this movie, but I do know that it's... Um,
0: <laughs>
1: I always love that concept. There's no rules against it, like Air, air bud. Right. Like There's no the rules, rules against a dog <laughs> playing against it. Nothing says a dog can't play football. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Um, like Lil Bow Wow, uh, rapper slash child, child rapper slash Yeah, for creator.
0: former, now uh, formerly little Bow Wow, former child. Currently Bow,
1: Bow Wow, Bow wow yeah. who hasn't made a film or album since 2009. Oh, no? Yeah, he's totally, like. Well, he's hopefully lost. he just living it up. He's off the reservation. He's See? alive.
0: Good. But then I hope he's just, like.
1: Let's t- think, t- think t- about t- it. His career was about the length of an actual dog's life. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if that was by design. <laughs> you know, you know,
0: so let's let's get on the show. Let's ask.
1: <laughs> but yeah, I think you're right. It is one of those hokey premises where it's like child manages to work his way, and it basically just becomes an excuse to have much of mm-hmm. the, the NBA
0: cameos. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there was a, you um, know, like the, those those movies are Ernest Goes to Camp. Yep, the, those old movies. I'm pretty sure there was a premise. The exact same thing where Ernest gets the magical shoes that make him good at basketball. I think I might have ripped him off. Really? Yeah. Oh, oh, wow. That's interesting. Oh,
1: but hey, look at this. This I have the list here of NBA players that make cameos. Oh, nice. Vince Carter. Uh-huh. Michael Finley. Steve Francis. Alan Iverson. Oh, huge. huge. Wow. Jason Kidd, also huge. I think he's like he went fifth, fifth all-time in assists. He just went to the NBA Finals. Yeah, he did. In uh, 2002, not like. Okay, game. I was about to say he's right. like 60. wow, good, good for him. <laughs> yeah. well, he was also a coach too recently. Well, mm-hmm. he certainly didn't coach in NBA Finals recently, but he's been a coach. Uh, Desmond Mason, Alonzo Warning, huge deal. Tracy McGrady, huge deal. Oh, nice. Steve Nash, Dirk Nowitzki, Gary Payton, goddamn. J- Jason Richardson. This is, um, a, this is like a dream team. David Robinson, Gerald Wallace, Rasheed Wallace, and Chris Webber.
0: Sheed was in the movie. Holy <sighs> shit.
1: Yeah, yeah, like this is a cra- crazy can in, in a movie. children's movie, I didn't even punch anybody. I fucking love Rashida Wallace. <laughs> yeah. So I think that that's interesting that that's the people involved. And also, I think last month, didn't You want a Man come out? Yeah. This is obviously a better basketball movie, just oh, on its face. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, there's nothing questionable about the premise of bow wow right. playing. I think it's,
0: it's wholesome. It's a child playing basketball with professionals. Hey, it's probably the reason why Jeff
1: probably enjoy this movie because, you know, at that time he was the shortest amongst us and... <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Why didn't they make him go play in college? There must have been a mandatory... that You have to play in college at least. No, 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 You have to be within an age range with college.
0: By NBA, there's no rule against it. Do you have to... Like, to play in the NBA, do you have to play a year of college? Is that true? You have
1: to You have to play a year either overseas in a professional league um, in what they call the Ignite, which is sort of like a minor league basketball, okay. or you need to play at like the division schools, or play um,
0: like at an actual college for a year. You have to have a year of basketball. I mean, I mean like that—that's that's pretty fucked up. That's like a like like a gate. Like, hey, you have to at least pay for a semester of college to. I mean, or like join a. Mm-hmm.
1: And, and again, most of this is like coming from the European leagues where, again, you have some of the guys who are the biggest players in the NBA at 16 years old, at 17 years old, are getting like real minutes in the European leagues, and in some cases like winning championships. Like, Luka Doncic played overseas before he played in America. And he like was the MVP at 16 mm. or whatever. Like maybe he was 17, I don't know. But yeah, I mean, I think I think they're, and again, this is also 2002 we're talking. Yeah, nowadays it's even less restrictive. But at the time, yeah, I, I believe there were rules that you had to play some amount of professional basketball before you could enter the NBA.
0: Hmm. So, Interesting. There were magic shoes. <laughs> do we have any real? Opinions about, do we have any that.
1: opinions about this movie? Like, no, I like, got a little.
0: It <laughs> was a children's movie for children, and in two thousand two. I was was sixteen or seventeen. So
1: yeah. Uh, so when you go the budget of this film I mean, it it's not as good.
0: Rookie of the year, where he hurt
1: his arm. It's not a cute. competition. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and but to that point, rookie of the year blows
0: this thing out of the fucking water. Yeah. I want to talk about the big green. <laughs> <laughs> um, budget. I will say. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go low. I'm gonna go fifteen million. Fifteen. Yeah. Okay. One five. What do you think? Magic shoes. Magic, magic shoes. But the shoes weren't actually magic. Uh, I'll, I'll go, I'll go 10 to give it a good gap. 10, actually 30. Okay. Wow. $30 right. $30 million dollars spent on that feature. What do you think it made? I think it did. I think it did fine. It definitely made its money back, but I don't think we're talking about hundreds of millions. I will go 60 million. That was, 60. That was going to be my guess. Um, I'll go
1: 55. 55. 62. Mm. So we're pretty right close there, to right the We're yeah. there. We're there. Next movie I have, um, one of the bigger movies of the month. Men in Black 2. Yep, that's the next one I have to. Yeah. yeah. So this is Barry Sonnenfeld who has made Adam's family great. Uh, he has also made a Wild Wild West. Nah. <laughs> <And> he also <laughs> I think we could say Wild West bad. He's yeah. bad, <laughs> it's bad. And he also made the first Men in Black film. So he's, he's back. Okay, to I think direct, he's good. Um, like the original one, Black that was fun. Yeah, it was pretty good. I agree. Yeah, it was I, so good they made it again. <laughs> I think that yeah, you pretty much nailed it. Um, I think well, one thing I think it's too much of a retread of mm. all of the content of the first film, which um, is disappointing in eighty eight minutes. Mm. Oh brisk! It's eighty eight minutes yeah. long. Like they clearly knew they didn't have enough content here. I think that they also gave the dog, um, which was sort of like people love that little dog character. Oh yeah, Frank. Movie. So they're gonna yes. start just. Milk the crap out of that character. Yeah, so they give him a much bigger role. They actually give Rip Torn a lot more lines than I remember, which I love, because Rip, oh, Rip Torn's fantastic. Oh, yeah. Look at the who was Rip Harn. Torn? May he rest
0: in peace. The chief. Yeah, he's, uh, a, yeah. Uh, he's the main dude. Yep.
1: Um Yeah, and I think it sucks that you're replacing uh, Vincent D'Onofrio, who just had this manic character that is so memorable and fun, and to repl- you're trying to replace him but you, having Laura Flynn Boyle and Johnny Knoxville as your sort of tandem villains doesn't quite live up to it. Um, they're not bad or anything, but you kind of—I I, kind of miss
0: no, that, that character. I don't think there there is anything like bad about any individual performance. Like the worst thing about the movie is like what you were saying or what Wes was saying. Like this is just what we've seen already, and like and it's disappointing because at the end of the original MIB, does not like a cliffhanger or anything, but like you, you see like uh, uh, Will Smith sort of just changing, like, the, just the, the, the iconography of the men in black. He's wearing a different suit. He's got the new female partner who's the mortician in the first one. And they're like, okay, well, these two are partners now, and they're going to go for it, and they're going to bring a new attitude to this, like, stuffy sort of uh, uh, um, security agency. And then when the second one picks up, it's like, oh, no, it's just back to normal. they like, are even going to get Tommy Lee Jones back, and they're going to anti-flashy thing him. And oh, I'm guessing the, in a real world
1: they couldn't get her. That she didn't want anything to do with the movie or something. Maybe. I don't know what the deal was. Maybe I think they could have just
0: recast
1: yeah, Man, well, there's some also, other character. And they also bring in Rosario Dawson, who ends mm-hmm. up being this this sort of new love interest, I guess. I mean she ends up being the love interest for him by de facto, like just like a de facto. Um yeah. The Michael Jackson is in this movie. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> think was- hey, the cat's impressed impressed, too? Cat's big Michael Jackson fan. Yes,
0: Katie. Sorry, we should have brought him up. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's but like again, a trigger
1: word to this household. <laughs> we're recording in my house, but it's so again, no Sherlock.
0: Sure <laughs> just the general like uh, lack of ambition when it comes to what, what sort of narrative they were trying to tell. Yeah, it's like no, let's, let's have let's have an alien come to Earth with a nefarious plot, and they go track down this alien. Yeah, and you got eighty eight minutes. It's like they barely had any content
1: here. It's yeah. just it's kinda kind of a shame. Oh, and but I do think that uh, what Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith just they have really good chemistry. the like, yeah. two of them together is just good. So Okay, so we'll do some numbers here. What do you think the budget of this film was? Oh, alright, you went first last time. Uh Ooh, that is tough. Fifty. I don't know. No, there's no prize.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'll go higher, I'll go sixty million. 140 Wow. Oh, oh, my goodness. This was right. a very expensive. For an 88-minute film?
1: Holy yeah. shit. I mean, I'm sure a lot of that money went to the cast. Hmm. I mean, I'm sure Will Smith was demanding pretty big money. Uh, oh, yeah, because he
0: just did. Was uh, Wild Wild West already done? Yeah, he's <laughs> certainly done Wild West. Yeah, Wild, Wild, Wild West. Wild West Wild I, mean, I think Ali was his big movie. It has as garbage of a movie as Wild Wild West was. It made money.
1: Yeah, it did. Yeah, I mean, and Will Smith
0: is just a, a draw. He's a huge, mm-hmm. huge draw. Yeah, that's on the just
1: one. Right. Of the, he, he really got going. So, what do you think it made? Uh, I, I say it did make its money back. I mean, they did Man Black 3 and everything. So, um, 20 years later. <laughs> yeah, but
0: they did do it. I don't know. I'll go 180. 180. I'm going to go higher. Uh, I'll sorry. go an even 200. 200 million. I guess 441 million. Wow. God. God.
1: This wow. is a big one. This is a, a huge international film, too. Mm-hmm. People love this kind of shit. Yeah, I think we
0: would vastly underestimate the popularity of the men in black. You literally addressed this as the millennium. Mm. That's That's a fair point. That's a a fair point. (laughs) 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 All right, next movie I have is Crocodile Hunter Collision Course. Uh, There there was a Powerpuff Girls movie. We don't need to talk about it. I didn't watch it. Okay. But yeah, Crocodile Hunter. I didn't watch this one. You didn't watch Powerpuff Girls? I didn't. Yeah, so this is directed
1: by John Stainton, who um, has done nothing. I, I found nothing noteworthy about his filmography. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so uh, it's Steve Irwin, the crocodile hunter. It is. It Steve is Steve, Steve Irwin, the crocodile hunter. This was like, yeah, him, him being Maybe the rest in peace. Yeah. Um, so the movie, did you guys? I actually watched this movie. Did you guys? No, watch this No, movie? I didn't watch it. No. Um, so it is essentially uh, low rent sketches about a satellite landing, an American spy satellite crashing in Australia Um, that's cut together with what would be your standard episode of Crocodile Hunter, Mm -hmm. you know, where it's like this basically, like, uh... This Australian
0: man goes and provokes wild animals. Basically, yeah. Providing no real actual, like, scientifically useful information right. as he does. Talking, so, this snake is red and green. He's, you you he, are enjoying he's his fascination <laughs> with what a child would like. And, and, and he's so enthusiastic. Yes. He, like He's magnetic. The he really uh, that The enthusiasm he brings into torturing these animals. I think, yeah, you know, and, and, I, and I think that that's kind
1: of what people love about him, mm. is that he does have this kind of, uh childlike joy to yeah. what he does and he's just one of those people that seems like universally good mm. kind of like what maybe people think of Bob Ross You know how, he's like, kind of like a wholesome character you gotta be an asshole to not like Bob Ross yeah. you probably also gotta be an asshole to not like Steve Irwin um, that's especially after what sad. happened I
0: won't spoil it for everyone listening in 2002
1: yeah no that oh the, no you would not be shocked to find out that what he does in this is eventually the thing that kills him mm. like it's kind of insane that we deify this man like it's horrible that he did that he directly, I mean, for, well first indirectly by doing all this dangerous shit he endangers the livelihood of his family and then directly endangers them by using them as kind of props in the thing too I think there's some really shitty fathering that's (laughs) happening here that we all give a pass because the guy died. I mean, his son followed in his footsteps. I'm really taking down kings today. I don't
0: know, (laughs) Bruce Springsteen, Lil Wayne, (laughs) Lil Wayne, Steve Irwin's a piece of shit. (laughs) Again, I think that
1: um, you know we should all love something as much as Steve Irwin loves the Outback. I Mm -hmm. think
0: that it's really... uh, There is so much joy in what he does. But maybe something safer, like video games or baseball.
1: Yeah, you just wish that he maybe had a little bit more safety protocols and didn't involve his infant child in it. Hmm. Um, That's, I guess, what I would say. Real, real shame. He is obviously a good soul, and his family misses him, and everybody loves him, rightly so. Good guy. And also, there's nothing of nutrition in terms of, like... Education or science, and what he does, he, <laughs> just, <laughs> he just finds animals and you back and fucking tackles them. Look at how cool this is! <laughs> that is cool. Cool. Let's get
0: the next one.
1: I mean, honestly, it's like it's like the Jackass guys when they did Wild Boys, and you're like, it's really not that different. <laughs> it? It's kind of the same thing. So I, I don't know.
0: Uh, what do you think? What do you think this cost to make? Oh, nothing. Yeah, uh, five million bucks. I'll go uh, fifteen you I think you're
1: technically closer that's 12 Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. budget of 12 million dollars yeah oh and like the whole like satellite thing was so stupid they didn't need to do any of that like
0: it was shitty sketch comedy and he was not sketch comedy but like he was barely involved in it wait there was like a satellite you mean mentioned the the premise like this thin premise but like yeah the, the climax is like a satellite crashing it begins with the yeah. satellite. Oh, okay, and then they've got this shitty impersonator pretending to be George W. Bush. <laughs> but it's like it's a sketch comedy, and it starts with the satellite. Right? So it's like the inverse of Wet Hot American Summer. Right? I was good. You have the same donkey <laughs> in my head too. Yeah. Oh shit! It all comes back to Wet Hot American Summer, as it yeah, should.
1: That's a good point. There, there are definitely some parallels. Okay, so we did the budget, twelve million. What yeah. did it make in the theaters? Uh, I, th- I think it probably did pretty well. I will go eighty million, eight zero. I was going to go fifty fifty will be closer. 33. Hmm. Modest success. Modest success.
0: But good return. Yeah. Return investment. Yeah. And again, there's
1: nothing in this thing that isn't in any other episode of Crocodile Hunter. It's kind Mm. of pointless, but yeah. The next day of Halloween Resurrection. Yep. I got that one too. Which one was this one? Let me remember the premise of this thing. I didn't watch it. So I don't know. Um, um, It is made by Rick Rosenthal, who is a studio TV director. This is regarded as the low point of a very low series in Halloween. Mm. Uh, Halloween, for those that don't know, it's the one with Jamie Lee Curtis and Mike Myers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, um, the
0: dude in the creepy, like the blank face mask.
1: I watched some. It looked like it was playing it straight, and I think that was the problem with it. It looked like it was kind of stupid, and because we had just watched Jason X, which was so off the rails, crazy that you kind of had to appreciate it for being a bad movie. Um, and this one just right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this one just seems like it's genuinely a bad movie. Um, so I, I, don't, I don't know I had no compulsion to watch it if, if it's uh, um, you know if anyone wants to make a glowing defense of it they're welcome to but as, as most people even fans of the Halloween franchise say this is kind of the worst one or certainly
0: you know vying for the worst one so y'all got anything to say about it? no, no nothing I'm, I'm reading a plot synopsis and I don't re- remember anything about this movie what do you think it cost to make uh, this? I'm gonna go thirty.
1: Thirty. Okay. I'll go lower. I'll go twenty. Fifteen. Okay. Oh, what do you think it made in the theater? I mean, what, what, what number is this in the series? I mean, they have a fan like base the, the, the going, tenth, right? Yeah, the, they, the eleventh. Yeah, base. Is, people are watching this. I'm
0: gonna go. i go seventy. I'm gonna go lower. It made its money back, I'm sure. Uh, I will go fifty-five million. Thirty seven. Mm-hmm. Wow. Not far off, but not not successful.
1: I mean, you doubled your money. I guess that's successful, but you know, I don't think that
0: they're, they're sort of kicking the can down the road on that series. Mm-hmm. Um, next year, Road to Perdition. Yeah, this one I did watch. Not uh, not within the past couple of weeks, but relatively. I think I watched this one last month. Real-time last month, okay. Yeah, I, I watched this movie in prep for this. Um, it's
1: directed by Sam Mendes, who oh, the only thing he had made to this point was American Beauty oh interesting I think it's wild that this is his follow up to American two for theory. two good for yeah. him um, I think that you know in my, you, you'll, you'll tell me what you think but I wrote that this is the only movie this month that looks
0: like it had some genuine craftsmanship to it yeah big thumbs up I really like this one uh, based on a graphic novel yes. that came out just uh, like two years previous to the, the movie but um, uh, Tom Hanks kind of like this this uh, blue collar guy through you know the circumstance ends up being like this this um uh, enforcer for the mafia mm-hmm. and uh, his, his son is witness to a uh, a murder and then he has to kind of go on the run with his son because the, the, the mafia comes and needs to eliminate the witnesses so they kill his uh, wife and his other kid and then he grabs his son saying okay we gotta get out of here and then the the movie is this sort of a really bleak fucking road trip. With him and his son, they have to uh, accomplish this checklist of tasks in order to get to get to Perdition, which is going to be the next safe place for them to get to. Per- yeah, Perdition is a town where he wants to drop the kid off. Yeah. Um, thinking that the mafia will not know where they're going. Right, and then because once he gets through the kid, he can go back and clean up, as it were. Yeah. Um, so. I think it's very, I mean, great performances. Great performances. We'll
1: mm-hmm. start with that. Paul Newman, um, he plays, like, the main mafia head honcho. And there's that dynamic where he has his biological son, Daniel Craig, who is a fuck-up. Yep. Um, and he sees that and, and a, Tom... And has, a psycho. Yeah, yeah. And sees Tom Hanks as more of his real son, even though he is, he's a hitman. He's an enforcer. Mm-hmm. i the fuck. Um, but you also have a really good classic of Jude Law, who is another soulless killer. Like, he's very, very good in this. Stanley Tucci playing a rival mobster, Syrian Hines is whose death kind of kickstarts the whole scenario, and uh, the delightful Dylan Baker is in it. He's really really good. Um, Jennifer Jason Leigh you only see in the first fifteen minutes of, his, of the movie. That's his wife, mm-hmm. as you said, he gets murdered. So I think it's a really really good cast. I mean, I guess my my big thing is that like. Why do we act like Tom Hanks is anything other than a horrible human being for sure at no point? Do we see him grapple with the fact that if it's like if you're a hitman you shouldn't have kids Hmm. if your job is to murder other people and then Don't you think that people being mad about you killing people and then them wanting to murder your family is a plausible
0: scenario yeah, he, he's not a good guy. What the fuck? He's, he's not. He's there, there's not really a good guy in this movie, except for maybe the kid. And then this, the final line of the movie is the son saying, "People
1: ask me if my dad was good or bad, or, and I just know him as my dad." And it's like, eat shit. Man. Yeah, you know, so he <laughs> you like, got your
0: mom and your brother killed. He almost got you killed. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't a particular. Murdered people. He wasn't a particularly good, like aside from being he's murder, terrible. also a bad dad. Like even before, like he has to go on the run. Because uh, he's, yeah. he's, like, a, a very detached father. It's, like, also, like, uh, uh, things are very regimented. Kind of like the way you would, like, uh, uh, think of a strict father in, like, early 20th century America. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, he, um, th- that, that like, last little bit of narration, really cringy, like, and it's just been left out. Because, like, we've already drawn yeah. a conclusion about you or dad. We don't care. We, we, we don't need, like, this prompting to, like, try to assess the moral character of Tom Hanks's movie. We know. Yeah, he's, he murders people. He is a bad guy. It doesn't matter that, you know, he was a good dad to you on this road trip where we tried to save your life. Uh, who gives a fuck? He's yeah. a bad guy. We're just interested to see to see if the kid
1: lives. And, it, and it's only just because that you have characters like Daniel Craig and Jude Law that are just, totally just worse. Yeah. Just even worse. Mm-hmm. That we see him as a redeeming character in some ways. So, I mean, I don't know but this is a great movie though. I mm-hmm. still I still love this movie. I think it's just kind of insane how the film portrays the the main was well, really the main
0: villain of it. It'd be interesting to like to be in like on on the the writers or to or to like read the source material to see if that sort of narration happens or if like this was something where like no we, we need to like sort of put a bow on this and like have someone say something redeeming about Tom Hanks because it's Tom Hanks. Yeah. You now he's your you' your leading man do we really want to leave people with this uh, perception of, of the leading man by the end of the movie and like yeah you should have you should, you should have like been bold with your with your writing and your storytelling And like yeah we're gonna tell a movie that's entirely about bad people right
1: I don't know in a way a lot of it feels like sort of like a Cohen film if, mm. if you didn't have the high energy characters yeah if you actually had people who feel like they lived in the Great depression mm-hmm you know, so uh, all in all, I love this movie. I think it's fantastic. We shot the soundtrack's beautiful. Great performances.
0: I think we got a front runner for movie of the month. One bone
1: to pick, them. Okay, Daniel Craig again has not figured out an American accent.
0: <laughs> it's true. His voice is the worst. <laughs> it's really. Good. There are sometimes <laughs> really like, so because vaguely Southern. Yeah, and like no, you're you're in like fucking Illinois or whatever is there. Like you're not in the South. But yeah. a southern accent is, from what I hear, like the easiest one for British people to pick
1: up. Mm-hmm. And again, we've seen Daniel Craig now do wonders in the whole, like, what is it? Uh, Glass Onion, the Knives mm-hmm. Out. Like, he clearly has a handle on a certain kind of American <laughs> he accent. He's do Flawed Corn Leghorn. <laughs> <laughs> but in Tomb Raider, he was awful. And that's oh. this one, he's so bad. Um, uh, like, I,
0: you know, in the film, like, I understand, like, a lot wanting to commit to your character. But I think at a certain point, like, in a film... Just, you know, do do the voice that's going to give the best performance, and trust your audience to understand. Like, yes, we know he's British in real life. He's not going to put it. It's better to use your regular voice and try to do a bad accent. And we'll talk, Sam, about, Sam we'll Mendes, talk was, about that again in a minute when we bring up another film. It was should have been like, hey, you know what? The, the best thing for the movie is just for you to yeah stop stop trying to do this American accent so hard. Come yeah. on. So uh, budget. I can't even begin to guess. I haven't seen it. Throw a number out there. I'll go higher or lower.
1: Uh well it's got Jude Law and Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks and
0: Damon Craig. I'll
1: go sixty five.
0: Ooh. I'm gonna go lower. I'll go fifty five. We'll leave some space.
1: It was eighty. Actually, Ooh. I was the pricey movie. What do you think it made in the theaters? I don't uh, know. One
0: thirty. I'm gonna go higher. I think this movie did really well. Um I will go as high as uh, two hundred million. Uh, that would be close. One eighty three. Mm-hmm.
1: So it, it did. It did well.
0: Really, really well.
1: Uh, next movie I have is Eight Legged Freaks. I have that one too. I didn't watch it. Uh, uh, I have. Um, did you? Have you seen it? I haven't seen it, but the yeah, remember this movie. Yeah, it's um, like mutant spiders or something. Yeah, just giant spiders. They had to fight these things. I mean, yeah, I think it's supposed to be sort of a fifties inspired like. Uh, Mars Attacks kind of thing? Yeah, right? silly, can't-be horror film. I know that I watched it probably around the early 2000s because I went through and I watched every single Scarlett Johansson movie okay. uh, all right. right. she had made it at that point, and this was one of them. Hmm. Um, and How was she? What's that? How was she? Was she good? Oh, she's actually fantastic. She played was- one of the spiders? Oh, oh, like in this movie? Yeah. Like, no, I, I barely remember anything about her. I think that she was like supposed to be like a teenage girl or something. Um, Number three. <laughs> no, she's she's made some amazing films over the years, and I don't think she really gets enough credit for some of her performances. But mm. um, yeah, so I don't know. It's this guy Ellery, El <laughs> who uh, I thought this was cool. I had not seen any of them, but he did a whole revival of Return of the Living Dead. I like sure. did a number did of sequels in the mid 2000s of Return of the Living Dead, which mm-hmm. I love. It's mm-hmm. Such a good movie. Uh, do, we do, do we care about budget? Should we even do budget? It yeah. uh, yes. got- cost 30 and it made it 45 There you go, that's a success. Yeah, Next we got K19 Widowmaker. I don't have the no one on the list, oh, I don't know this what? one. That's Catherine Bigelow made it. Um, Catherine- oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, who had made, to that point, near dark, point break classics and would make The Hurt Locker. Mm-hmm she won Um, an Oscar for her locker yeah this yeah she did this film's got Harrison Ford in it and um it's basically like supposed to be like Red October from from like a Russian perspective Hmm. um with a cast as I understand entirely of Americans (laughs) Oh, <laughs> uh, well, did Harrison
0: Ford try a Russian accent? That's what I was oh, gonna bring
1: up when you were talking about people doing shitty accents where it's like Oh no. The entire cast, as I understand, is mostly like Americans and Europeans and they're all just basically pretending to be Russian. Oh no. Oh, no. Yeah, I didn't watch this movie, um, and I, I don't I don't know if I've ever even actually watched the whole
0: thing. I know I've seen some scenes, but mm. I don't know. I mean when uh when Sean Connery speaking of submarine movies, a Hump for Red October, which you yeah. just mentioned, when uh, he's talking, he doesn't try to do a Russian accent, he just like talks in his normal voice and we all understand, like, yes, he's supposed to be working for, he's supposed to be Russian in this movie, but no. we don't want to hear it. But well, we that's him in it. every movie, he doesn't do an accent, he just does his Right, His Highlander, he was, a, he was a Spanish guy, using yeah. a Scottish voice. Like, yeah. we, we didn't care, who cares? No. Delightful. Yeah. That's, that's if that's anything where, makes it better. That
1: was what Robert yeah. I was about to do, you be to it. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And I think that's like the debate that happens in film about what you should want. Because, like, there's also, what is it, Valkyrie that... Um, oh, the Tom Cruise one. Yeah, where no one's using accents. Right. But intentionally.
0: And then that weirded people out. Where they're like, we kind of like it if you just did a shitty German accent. I don't know. No, I don't know. That, that's, I haven't seen that movie. I say it depends it, on the movie. Yeah, I haven't seen it since it came out. But I, I imagine it, they had bigger things to sort of consider when they're making the movie about like, like some keep Brian Singer away from the underage. <laughs> keep Brian Singer <laughs> away from the underage. Yes, yes, and um, how do we make a movie where there are Nazis who are also supposed to be the good guys? Yeah. You know? The, the Nazis who are trying to take down Hitler at the last minute. Right. And you've been cool with this up till now and we're supposed to be rooting for you? Now, come on. Even Tom Cruise is a little bit far-fetched. Yeah. All right, uh, some some numbers on this. Do you guys care if I just tell you what the numbers were? No, let's do the numbers. Yeah, go
1: ahead. Budget ninety million. Box Ooh. office sixty five. Wow, so this lost some money. But hey, you know she'll be back. Uh, Catherine Bigelow will make some great films. Hmm. She had made some great films, and she will make some great films. This was kind of a stumble. Next, Stuart Little two. Yep, I have that one on the list. Didn't watch it. Yeah, Rob Minkoff, who had also directed The Lion King, he got the director's credit for Lion King. Oh, nice. Um, and he also made the first Stuart Little film. Mm-hmm. This one was on Netflix.
0: Was it? So. That's, Holy shit.
1: So this was an easy one to get a hold of. Oh, oh you I watched wanted to watch Stuart Little too. I thought you meant know when it premiered. That would be a really <laughs> early Netflix. I don't think the was around 2002. No, this one is currently on Netflix. I wrote that one down because it was one of the few ones that was just easily, just easily sourced for free. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, yeah, so Story Little 2. Like, do we give a shit? No. No. Um, yeah, it's got Michael J. Fox as the voice yeah. of
0: the, the, the
1: dude. I'm going to go 40? 40. 40 um, million? Hugh Laurie is in it. He's the dad.
0: is he the dad in the first one, too? I don't
1: give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just acknowledging the reality. <laughs> Um wait uh, yeah, so let's just do it. Catherine our yeah. was the mom? No, the mom was the woman from I can't think of this actress's name. Oh my god. But you you would know her from Sidefield. So, uh, the, the baseball movie with the women or the women baseball team like Rosie yeah. O'Donnell. Yeah. The and, League of, of Madonna, uh, yeah. Madonna was the mom? No, that was the, <laughs> Gina the, Gina the, O'Donnell. Gina oh, Davis. Okay. Gina Davis is the main woman. That was my next in, guess. Um, <laughs> <leave it> So Tom Hanks was the mom. <laughs> was the mom? <laughs> oh, and Nathan Lane was the voice of the cat in the family. So that was kind of delightful that he's a, mm. he's a voice
0: of it. Get some cat. Uh, uh, Michael J. Fox, Nathan Lane, back and forth
1: a little bit. That happened.
0: No, it was. It would know have been great if they had gotten Christopher Lloyd to be the cat or like a dog. Mm-hmm. So you know what the runtime of this movie was? I'm gonna say 86 minutes. Let's <laughs> guess the runtime. <laughs> this is the more fun thing to guess. <laughs> Ooh, 94. We've already gotten so Three and people. a half. No, it's... <laughs> <laughs> no, this is 78 minutes long. Oh. says 72. That's not future length. Holy <laughs> shit. Don't tell them that. <laughs> uh, what
1: was the budget of this movie? Of this 78 minute... I feature? said 40.
0: You're going to say 40 now? I'm going to go with 40. Ooh, do I dare go higher? I do. $50 million. No. 120 Oh, no. For 78 minutes? Oh, <laughs> no.
1: How much do you think it made?
0: Oh, it it banked. Um, I'm gonna go two thirty. You said the budget was 120 million. Yeah. This movie has been nothing but disappointment so far. I'm gonna go under. I'm gonna say 80 million dollars. Uh, probably the middle point of your two numbers,
1: 170. Okay. modest okay. okay. success.
0: God, okay. 120 million dollars. Was it like the CG? Cause I'm, I'm guessing I'm sure Hugh Laurie well, ask no, that pure Q Lori will not show
1: They trained a, a mouse. That was an actual. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> they, they, do, they, they trained a mouse to walk on two feet. Yep, wow. yep, yep. You <laughs> trained a mouse, yep. You to pay a cobbler to make the shoes. <laughs> That's but, where the budget came from. Was the was shoes. Cobbler was was the, yeah.
1: Well, building the machine also to transport
0: the soul of Michael J. Fox <laughs> into the mouse. <laughs> Thank God they were able to put it back. Yeah. All right, can we move on? Yeah. I think we've gotten more than enough out of Stuart a story, little
1: two. <laughs> the last movie I have is Austin Powers, Gold Member. Ooh, what a train wreck. Yeah. Um, so this is by Jay Roach, yeah. who did a bunch of movies, but he also did the other Austin Powers
0: films and Meet the Parents. Mm-hmm. Those were the last things that he had done, kind of leaning into this. So it was, um, um, God, it must have been like in uh, 1998, 1999, something like that. Um, I'd never seen an Austin Powers movie. Me and my buddy John, we were like, uh, 13, 14 years old um, I was I was staying at his place for the weekend and his parents they were there too yeah. Um we had, we'd we never seen an Austin Powers and we were like alright, well, let's let's see what this is all about so we rented the first one and the second one at a video rental store how quaint and you know 13, 14 year old boys we were like just absolutely taken by Dr. <laughs> Evil fucking loved that character in the first yep. movie just it, it became, like, our joke for the weekend, just doing fucking Dr. Evil impressions. So we had such a good time watching that first one. It's, the second, like the, it's like the Budweiser, was was Exactly. It was exactly. just the thing. It yeah. was just people did it. It was a meme before there were memes. Yeah. Um, and then the second, second one, we also watched, was like, well, look at that. That was pretty good, but not as good as the first one. We, we can objectively appreciate the first one as a better movie, as 13 and 14-year-olds. When I saw Goldmember, I was like, oh, God, has it been this bad the entire time? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it, it, it might have been... <laughs> Yeah, Uh I
1: would actually, and I don't want to challenge your 13-year-old perspective on this, but I think the second one is better than the first one. Yeah, okay. I think the second one does the same thing as the first. But I'm not uh, going to fight you. It does it with a bit more grandeur and a bit more silliness and fun. A bit more pizzazz. Yeah. Um And I think that the best thing that you can say about this, no matter how bad of a movie you think this is, Mike Myers thinks this is like the funniest fucking thing that's ever happened. He's so, so committed to oh, this yeah. movie. Oh uh, he no well, one He says like fire. four roles in that movie. He, yeah, he, he just to watch his performance. He loves this, this movie. Yeah, no he's, one thinks this funnier so, than he is. Yeah, so um, I mean, it's nice to see someone that genuinely like. <laughs> seems to love movie. love their craft as, as bad as it may be. I read that it's like a bloated spectacle. It's totally mm. out of ideas because I kept going back to every single beat. Yeah. that you've already seen from the other ones. I think it's crazy that... Ca- Do you remember how it begins? Uh, there was like a preview for... They're, they're doing like a, mm-hmm. a preview for like Austin Powers movie. With in Tom, it. Cruise. Tom Cruise Steven in. Yep. Spielberg is in it. Yeah. Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow... Uh, Kevin Spacey exonerated Kevin Spacey <laughs> <laughs> of that one thing, of that one thing in Europe. <laughs> Danny DeVito, I think. Danny, Danny, DeVito. Danny DeVito, Like that group of people that they compiled. Is I big. think that was the funniest part oh of the God. entire movie. Well, like Austin Powers was huge. <laughs> yeah, like, it, it was, it was, yeah. was like a it was really pop big. culture icon kind. It would also get Britney Spears mm-hmm. to, to do a, like a bit part later on. This was like so packed with cameos. Um, it was kind of insane. But again, it's also a sign that they didn't really know what to do or where to go. Like, they even introduced this new gold member character that um,
0: was also just, like the, that Mike, Mike Myers also plays. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And it's kind of, like, a, not a particularly good character. And they even bring back the fat Scottish guy, whatever mm-hmm. his yep. name is. Fat Bastard. Fat Bastard. And, like, they even try to give um, Seth Myers a bigger role yep. as trying to make him... Or
0: Seth, Seth Green. Seth Green. So <laughs> some of late show I'm so sorry. Seth Green, thank you. Seth Green is in
1: this bad boy. Yeah, no, um I, I think yeah, it's it's definitely like amped up and ramped up. It's also a ninety-four minute film. Like, mean mm-hmm. again, another movie where it's like I mean, that's Morbius. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this tells you just how 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 little effort was put into some of these things. Oh, I would yes. rather watch Morbius, Morbius than this. Mm-hmm. Ooh. I think that yeah, Morbius is a better movie. It's high praise. <laughs> yeah, um, Beyonce is in this in this movie, right? That's right. Yeah, Beyonce Knowles is in it. Um, and I kind of at first it didn't click to me that the whole premise of the whole thing is that Austin Powers is actually from the '60s and they sent him forward in time, and yep. now he's bound back in time to interact with someone of his era, who he already knew. And by the way, Nathan Lane is in this too. And, and Michael
0: Caine? <laughs> and, and Michael Caine! Okay, Michael no Caine's Cain, Cain. his yeah, dad. They, they, it's it's <laughs> almost like a... Uh, I, I suppose it is a superhero movie to an extent. Of his superhero is uh, punching way above his weight class in terms of women he fucks. Um, yeah. it, it's a superhero movie, like, and it suffers from like superhero where They just like load in all these characters. Like, and here's yes, Beyonce, so and here's this weird Dutch guy who, who roller skates. And here's Austin Powers' dad, and they do this yep. thing at the end where they're like oh, but, but Dr. Evil is your brother because this is his dad too and I don't know this movie is it, it's bad is it has real had a parody
1: in the middle of Hard Knock Life by Jay-Z yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. with uh, Vern <laughs> yeah as, as Mini-Me oh, doing, man. doing a lip sync yeah this movie was like <laughs> fucking ridiculous yeah I don't even know what to say about it I feel like you could still watch this it's just it's its not boring It'll make you feel ways. I think it'll make, it'll, it'll make you, you can watch a lot of movies where it's like, I made it through this whole movie and I don't have an opinion about it. That was a waste uh, of my time. And then you can watch a bunch Gold
0: Member and be like, I gotta talk to somebody.
1: <laughs> uh, I feel like it's the only
0: movie you should watch by yourself, though. Like, make someone experience it with you. Yes. Um, so <laughs> Some of those movies are just more fun as you're laughing at
1: them. You need somebody else to mm, yeah. be there with you to suffer.
0: Yeah, what, what was? Ooh, I, I think it is telling that we'll get to it. I, I'm pretty sure this movie made a lot of money, but they're not going to do another one. This is it, because the Love Guru is the next one. Mm.
1: Oh God, I'm kidding. I mean, he will we'll make that movie, but I, I think it might be the next one.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and that's uh, you know when Mike Myers kind of yeah uh, it stopped becoming the the, the, the comedy. Box off his gold. He's great That like So I Married a Max Murder. Delightful movie. Yep. Wayne's World? Oh, yeah, Wayne's World. He's incredible in that. Like, uh, end of list. That's it. So he didn't make another film. There are no movies after Wayne's World.
1: Terrible things he did to Jamie Lee Curtis, though. Mm. Chasing her around with that butcher's knife. Yeah. yeah. She, well,
0: I mean, she kept on leaving the Because his name is Michael Myers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I get it. I get it. She kept leaving the Like any time, like he was down, she just would drop the knife and walk away. Like, oh, this is dealt with now. And no, of course, he always kept getting up and getting like, stop putting the knife down, Jamie. Just take it with oh,
1: you. Yeah, that was the joke from what Baby Driver was that the movie? They, there's they couldn't get the rights to use Michael Myers mask, but they got uh, <laughs> Mike Myers permission to use their mask, <laughs> the mask of him instead. That's pretty funny. I think was that Baby Driver? I forget what movie that I was. That movie such a long time. I forget what movie it was. Okay. Uh, and, uh, it was, it was, did we forget anything about no, gold no number? We've talked enough about gold where's the budget. Oh god, Am it, I first I mean, or are you It's this gotta time? be stupid like two hundred mil or something.
0: I'm gonna uh, go lower.
1: Uh, I mean I'll probably just one fifty. Nice and one fifty. Yeah. I might go higher. Yeah.
0: Shit. Uh 140, 140 million Only sixty three. Oh, I Yeah, Look at this, this, this this is so these people are just half doing half cameos us, for fun. Just half of a Stuart Little too. <laughs> <God.
1: laughs>
0: what did it make? Oh god, three hundred. So much money. That was uh, kind of the ballpark that I'm thinking to. I will go lower. I'll leave some space. I'll go two hundred fifty. Almost a pin at two ninety six. Amazing. Yeah, if we were rounding up.
1: You, yeah. So about three hundred million. Kind of insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And saying that, that, that this is it. Like, this movie, $60 million investment, and you turn over $300 million, they're so like, no, that's it, we're done. Because what, they had some sharks, and they put a little thing on their head? Yeah, <laughs> <I feel> like, <laughs> was, where was the budget in this movie? It's, right. there's not, they didn't cost them anything. They weren't paying anybody to act, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, they had so many big memes in it and everything. Right. mean cameo like, roles, mostly. cameos and everything. I mean, they might have just been coming in on a minimum, like a daily minimum, but... And just because, like, just hey, to be in it, just be, for a blast, it'd, it'd be funny to do this parody thing. That's a good point. If you take out how much of this movie is Michael
1: My- Michael Myers himself, there's not a lot there. Like, even Michael Caine has a handful of scenes, but he's not there that much. You know, hmm. like there's Vernon Troyer probably the second biggest character in it, hmm. like human being in it. Yeah, what? Oh,
0: there's Seth Green. But he, he's not even in the movies all that much. I know. Like he'll make, I'm just kidding. Everybody hates Seth Green.
1: You know. He's probably all right. And they relentlessly went back to the well. Like, ugh. I know we stopped talking about this. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Everything was a thing that's already been done. Right. Whoa. So that's... that's Movie of the month. Is, is it Road to Perdition just by default here? I think you got to give it to Road to Perdition. I think it's... Again, genuinely a lot. Eight-legged freaks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. All right, hopefully right.
1: August has better films for us.
0: Yeah, hopefully uh, we'll, we'll get to some better games and some music. So like <laughs> but yeah, uh next up, uh, Pokemon? We a do Pokemon next. Pokemon? Um, sounds Wait, good. Wait, we're doing Pokemon next? Why...
1: Well, yeah, third, it's not the it's, order
0: well it's, it's not the order but it's the first show of July we're getting to or first show of August we're getting yes, to so August we're not doing an official so show we gotta, of we got to reboot yeah, um, so no official show this month I guess not well I, I did like a, a brief little solo recording just chat about Pikmin 3 for like 20 minutes just eh. I wanted to get some thoughts out there um, eh. but I don't I think there's, there's not really anything to discuss other than Pikmin 3 I'll talk to you guys about Pikmin, Pikmin, Pikmin 4 yes Pikmin 4 thank you oh my gosh I stand no. corrected <laughs> Um, but yeah, we'll we'll, I don't know we'll do do a Pokemon show and then we'll we'll get back into the run that's the end of podcast we're done so long see ya